This is Adam Lippy talking to you from the future. Here to let you know that you can find Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me available now. Check waitwaitdon'tkillme.com for more details. This is... This is... Eric and Gord, what if we're right? Live, right now. Are you ready? Find, find, and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, Gord, you can you can hear me? Oh yeah, we can hear you fine. Okay, sorry, just sore throat a little bit because I just had a a, an hour and a half meeting earlier, so on the phone. So oh really? Cough drop, yeah. (laughs) Good times, good times. Um, all right, give me two seconds here, and I'm ready to go. Gord, introduce yourself. (laughs) How you doing, Adam? Okay, excellent. Right on. Yeah, I'm taking full responsibility for the late list of this one today. Uh, I totally had everything planned out and then just stopped watching the clock. So, yeah, I'm a dick. <laughs> oh. Is it up to me to disagree? I don't know you any, at all. <laughs> no, you can just call me a dick. That's fine. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. So, uh, whereabouts are you? I'm in Phoenixville, which is about 35 miles outside of Philadelphia. Philadelphia, nice. I've been down to Philadelphia only once in my life, and it was for all but a brief moment. But uh, I got yelled at three times while I was there, so it's a good, good place. <laughs> I mean, that seems that's a pretty accurate assessment about yeah. what's like. <laughs> I also got nailed for a Sorry, wicked speeding ticket when I was going over through uh, Buffalo to make my run down there. So, yeah, yesterday. What's that? I, I'm not. I'm not someone who's driven very long. I didn't get a license until I was forty. I'm forty-two, oh, wow. and yesterday was the first time I'd ever driven to New York. I drove back there and back in one day. Um, it's oh, about wow. two and a half hours each way. Yep. And uh, I, 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 when you're on the turnpike, you you forget how fast you're going. And I looked up, and I was doing ninety-six, and I've never even been come cl- close to that. I kind of <laughs> drive like an old person most of the time, so I was a bit. <laughs> Startled. I turned forty. What's sorry, that? I turned forty. I turned forty-two in June, and I've never officially had my license. Yeah. Well, have you you guys live in cities. I mean, that's that's why I lived in a city my whole life. I lived. I grew up in New York, and then moved to you know Columbus, Ohio. I lived in Boston, and lived in Philadelphia. And until I moved out here, and my girlfriend's insistence that she's like, okay, you need to be able to drive in case I, I ever need to be taken to a hospital. I said, is that yeah, my ex-wife did the same thing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I live in a, in a fairly big city. Gord's just outside of Toronto. Okay. And I, I'm in Vancouver. It's two, two and a half million people, but roughly. Well, I make no promises about not referencing kids in the hall. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I would uh, expect that, no that's less. That's going to more influential on me than almost anything else. They are, well, they were the first, like, uh, Lauren Michaels picked them up, um, yeah. and and ended up producing them. They were, I think, they were probably more popular in the states than they were here. To be honest, that yeah, makes sense. I actually worked at Broadway Video when I was a teenager as an intern. Yeah. Did you really? Oh, cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, when they when they pitched Brain Candy, the treatment was going around the office, and we all read it, and we we're like, "This seems terrible." Um, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was okay, I, I guess. I wasn't a fan. I, I think I just didn't get it. Well, it doesn't I was really a fan work. of the show. 
Yeah, it doesn't work because it's, you know, sketch movies rarely do when they try to make a plot yeah. out of it. So little bits are funny here and there, but they don't get to show off what they what they can do. And then the stuff that anybody remembers is the stuff in really horrible taste like Cancer Boy. So Yeah, of course. <laughs> which I, I get they What's they that? did a skit that ne- they did a skit that never made it to air that I've always wanted to see and it was a Dave Foley thing. They did a skit about Jesus and how he was actually a really bad carpenter and that's no, why I he got into I, I wrote a story based on that sketch in high school. Really? Yeah, on I that never very I got sp- to see it. It's a great sketch. Yeah, about how he had no choice but to become the Messiah because he was a lousy Because <laughs> they show all, uh... all carpenter work. It's a it's a fantastic sketch. I wrote That's a, a great concept. short story in high school based on that on that sketch in which I literalized it. And it was about all of Jesus's terrible carpentry <laughs> and, and it <laughs> found many years later and the analysis of it. <laughs> That's that so good. Funny. <laughs> I like so that. I have been my class were like, where did that come from? I'm like, I just thought this sketch was really funny, and I thought, what if you just elaborated it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just yeah. take it to that next step that nobody thought would be what happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. When I when I was in high school drama class, uh, every Monday we had to have like an original little short play and read, and mine was always just whatever Chris Farley had done the previous Saturday. Okay, so you fell. I just directly off. stole them. I was a huge Farley fan. Did you fall on a lot of breakaway tables? Is that what you just did with your time? I I did that a lot. Yeah, I was uh, I was almost his size in high school, so uh, it worked well for me. Test your pants while you were you know weaving in and out like that. (laughs) I I used to I used to split the backs of my jackets on purpose just to be like him. Just I was. yeah, fat man in a little coat. I love that the last thing David Spade ever said to him was Chris Farley said, does this jacket make me look fat? And he said, no, your face does. <laughs> last words. Oh, great last line. <laughs> so um, how does how does this start or did we already start? You know what? I say let's just go with it. Why not? I, I usually do a little intro, but I really have nothing planned and it's not that important. Um. So how about we start with you introducing yourself? Because I'm sure my listeners, other than the very little I've told them, they're not too sure who you are. Okay. My name is Adam Lippy. I'm a filmmaker who lives about 35 miles outside of Philadelphia. Uh, I made a horror comedy called Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me about a viral pandemic horror comedy in, uh, in inner city Philadelphia, uh, where um, on the hottest day of the year, the... Uh, uh, basically what happens is the virus gets loose in the inner city of Philadelphia. It takes place in nice town, which is a real place inside Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> That's it's, awesome. live. it's a real place. It's the worst place to live in Philadelphia. It's uh, unfortunately <laughs> named. Oh. And, um, uh, the virus gets loose. It causes massive dehydration, but because it's the hottest day of the year, um, people can't tell the difference between someone who's infected and someone who's just sweating because it's hot out. So um, it causes dehydration. People start attacking each other because people are mostly water. One of the attacks is caught on a YouTube-like video, uh, and um, the military comes in. uh, The video goes viral. Military comes in to try to stop it. They realize they can't do it quickly enough, so they fence off the inner city to let everybody die. And it's about the people who are left there to die. And I know that sounds very grim, but it's actually a comedy. 
I love it. It sounds fantastic. Now, is this just awesomely like serendipitous timing, or was yeah, it? Yeah, I wrote it a long you... time ago. And yeah, I, I imagine so. <laughs> um, I wrote it back in two, 2013, and it took a long time oh. to put together. And it was finished in the middle of well, late March of this year. And oh, wow! Been... And has the has the current scamdemic helped it or hurt it? Uh, it's helped in terms of the offers, but distribution offers for independent films are always terrible. Um, yeah. So it's just a matter of what are what is the least bad option. It's really just a series of terrible no options, um, <laughs> because um, you know I don't know how much your audience wants to know about this, but so if you have an independent film that has no famous people in it, it means you are not getting any offers, mo- no money up front, zero ever. Right. And does that also mean no festivals? You can go to festivals, but they're generally a waste of time and money. They're there for, they're there for the connections. The same reason you go to film school. Now I I went to film school. I wouldn't do it over, but um, basically go to film school to meet people and network. Uh, Because there's nothing you can't learn by actually making a movie. The the money you spend on film school would be much better off screwing up making your, you know, three shorts or five shorts or however many shorts and, and, you know, two features or whatever. So that's the same uh, with comedy, to be honest. Like uh, yeah, just for laughs, things like it's that. It's just for to feel like comedy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, this was just uh, that's really funny. Um, I I've been meaning to ask because I haven't had anyone to ask. Uh, are things like Netflix helping or hurting the independent film? Well, so Netflix um, and Hulu and Amazon they don't really pick up independent projects anymore. They 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 make all their stuff in house. So right. It doesn't really help. It's actually very exclusionary. And there's a lot of predatory places, things called uh, aggregators. Now, what an aggregator right. does, and again, I might get too technical and you might go, just move on, really. Nobody cares. No, I, but, I love learning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I am a fountain of knowledge, even if it's mostly useless. So <laughs> what an aggregator does is you pay an aggregator to get on a particular platform. It used to be you had to pay to get on Netflix and Hulu, but now they're not doing that anymore. But they'll charge you something like $1,500 to get on a platform, iTunes, wow. whatever. Um, so is this like an influencer? No, you actually pay to get on there. And oh, then okay. whatever revenue you, you get from those platforms, which is not very much, goes through that aggregator. So they just they don't right. pick and choose movies. You're paying them. You're paying for the service. You're paying them to create closed captions or you create them on your own. You, you know, and then you, you have to market, you have to do all of it. Now, no matter what contract you sign, even if you have somebody picking you up, you're going to have to market it anyway. So it I have a similar distribution deal with my band. That's, it must be the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, that they're, they're similarly designed. It's just basically to make sure that you don't ever see a cent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. And to, and to dissuade you from doing it independently ever again. Um, there, there are limits to how much money you can make. That's why I think all these bands make money on tours, right? Because you can't make money yeah. from actual record. No, that's that's all your money's in merchandise now. So, or YouTube. I don't know how they do that. Oh, the YouTube payouts are terrible. Just like Spotify payouts. Are they? Oh, yeah. geez. Hundredths of a penny. Yeah, <laughs> I... Uh... Fuck. I have had an album. I deal with a company out of Toronto called Indie Pool. They they distribute my music and they take ten percent. Um, I think I've made six dollars since twenty seventeen. Oh, so so like CD Baby, they just they do. I think they do that in the U.S. Yeah, similar thing. Yeah. 
Except for and with Canadian so I, distribution, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. so you have the advantage that, that in Canada, you guys support the arts. So I know lots of Canadian filmmakers who didn't have to put their own money into their projects. Mm, um, that's true. We, 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 we do a lot have, of grant money here. Yeah. And you have but to, you don't have that in the States? There's not like a, a ASCAP grant or something? They have fiscal sponsorships, but... Um, uh, one of them that I applied to, they told me my idea was too marketable. Um, <laughs> and in other words, we only know how to do things that lose money. But um, and That's I, my skill. Them, I, said, I said, so have you, you know, I don't understand this idea of this rejection that you're because my idea is too marketable. Because clearly it isn't if I'm coming to you. Um, but uh you know, and they basically explained that they'd never, I said, well, what do you do? One of my questions kind of revealed all, which was, what do you do if, you know, the money that comes in, you know, turns a profit, like if it turns a profit, how do you split it? And, and they told me that it never happened. So they uh, don't know. And this wow. was a, major, this was a major state. I'm not going to say which state, yeah. um, Fair but a very large one and not Pennsylvania. Um, well, I think if, if it's anything like here where your your next year's budget is based on how much you blow the year before, um, right. so you don't want to turn a profit because then you actually get less in your next budget. Well, the way that the, 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 uh, the fiscal sponsorships work is they're basically cover. So what they do is they okay. say, okay, it's like a, it's, uh, any money you raise can go through our 501c3, and a 501c3 is basically like... Um, not a charity, but, but a nonprofit. Right. So you're raising money with that sort of, uh, as, as the centerpiece, that company or that foundation or whatever it is. And so the foundation allows you to raise money and that money can be deducted off the person who'd ra who, who get into you, their taxes. So they right. want to seem it to seem artistically relevant. They want it to seem like it's good for the community. So something that is theoretically disreputable or marketable like my film is a discredit in a way if that makes uh, sense wow it does make sense so let's let's get off the technical for a second you're the same age as i am and we're just we're all in the same ballpark right uh, early 40s yep what was uh what got you into film what was your big like i assume the 90s were monumentally changing for yeah. you yeah absolutely i mean so i was a film critic in high school um i wrote for the initially wrote for myself um the school paper uh had some reviews written by a teacher and the first movie review i read in there i also i, I didn't understand it it was written by a, one of the history teachers but it was also for a movie called shortcuts which is a robert alden movie very right. impressive um but you know but you know what high school kids don't understand it's shortcuts um uh, that is, it is the, it was the thing, it would be the kind of movie that would be impenetrable for someone in high school. And it made no sense to me. Um, wow. so I, I said, Hey, can I write some reviews? And they said, no, not unless you join the paper. And I said, okay, then I'll just write things on my own. So I started writing reviews on my own and putting them on top of the newspaper, wherever got them, where, where people would pick them up. And the newspaper got very angry because mine were on top of theirs. And so um, <laughs> were taking my reviews more than they were taking the school paper, even though mine was just on regular paper that I printed out that day. And uh, so they made me join the school paper and then kept trying to get me to not write reviews um, and then do other things. And I just had literally no interest. And I eventually got in my senior year, got fired by the school paper for not wanting to write anything else. That's hilarious. Uh, has, any, has anyone mentioned that you actually look a lot like Jay Sherman? 
Um, I don't look like Jay Sherman, but from this angle, I might. <laughs> Just the angle. Um, the uh, the critic, Gord, know. if you don't remember. Uh, no, I know who Jay Sherman is. Uh, he referenced on, uh, uh, what was it, Family Guy, I think, where I know him from. Oh, probably. Memory serves me. You should watch it. The, the, the TV show The Critic totally holds up. Still very funny. Amazing. Yeah, it does. Um, so yeah. what was um, what was what's one big influence from that era that really stood out for you and made you want to pursue the this? same influence in the '90s, and it was Pulp Fiction. Um, that was one oh, of the first of one of the first sort of like major papers I wrote was about the violence in Pulp Fiction. But um, you know, and then I went to I made a movie in high school, and and then went to film school in Boston. And then realized that I, you know, I made movies, but didn't really want to do it. I didn't, I didn't like the process so much. I didn't like how exhausting editing was. And I didn't yeah. like having to walk on eggshells with the actors. So um, when I graduated, I just went back to New York and got a regular job. And, <laughs> didn't, you know, eventually would get magazine work and, and uh, newspaper work. When someone would read something, I'd write on a forum and hire me to do it, to write reviews for them. But it was sporadic and it didn't pay very well. Yeah. And then eventually I started um, writing for a newspaper in Columbus, Ohio, when I moved there, and then regularly doing it again, and then doing interviews and writing articles, and then starting my own website when I moved to Philadelphia, um, doing podcasts, starting like 2009 to 2012. Wow. Um, I was in a commercial that never aired. Um, uh, they drove us across the country because I was voted one of the top 20 critics in America at the time. Wow. Holy shit. Uh, they shot a commercial that was uh, very bad, uh, and they <laughs> never aired. It was supposed to run before, um, uh, like when, when uh, during the commercials before the movies. Uh, it was a complicated, okay. um, and they never aired mine, and I was fine with it. Um, <laughs> you us out to Denver to do it. It's a very odd story that... I will not tell for legal reasons. We'll just say, because <laughs> I have my theories about what I... was going on, and it's it's insidious, and it doesn't matter now because none of the companies exist except one of the players uh, does still exist in a way, and he's. Um, uh, uh, I would I would if I told the story, it would sound like money laundering because it was. Um, Fair enough. You see, face off. Awesome. You did. Yes. <laughs> Dreams. There's mother. Crossing Delancey, Kira Kersetter's Animal House. Seven. I'm looking at seven. seven. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the criterion of seven. Um, I was a huge fan of seven. All right. Do I need to find you that I own Rumble in the Bronx on Laserdisc, or do you believe me? No, I absolutely believe you. (laughs) Okay. I'll find it somewhere during this conversation, and then you'll go, oh, my God, you weren't making that up. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, I, I totally believe you. That's really cool. I, um... Not making that so, up. Can you see there that? It there you? it is. There it is. Oh, very cool. <laughs> but if you get, uh, I think the original cut before they they dubbed it and brought it to the U.S. Um, I can't remember if it's called Rumble in Hong Kong or whatever it's called, but it's a longer version that's I think still in English, but but um, yeah, a couple of minutes longer. So maybe you're in that cut. It's possible. It was all in Vancouver, and that's all I. Oh no, I it's was, out. Uh, that it was not shot in the Bronx. The mountains in the background are a big giveaway. Yeah. The, and the, the thing that baffled me was they spent like a week going through the streets where they were filming it, um, covering up all the graffiti with m- fake movie graffiti. 
<laughs> oh, because it was a Canadian-specific graffiti? No, they just didn't. They thought they might be gang symbols or something, so they had to uh, get rid okay. of them. <laughs> I just, that was when I learned that everything in movies is fake. Yeah, I mean, for instance, yeah. here's, here's a lesson I tried to teach someone the other day. So there's an actress who's like, um, I, uh, on a, this was in a Facebook forum. She said, um, I'm getting back into acting, and I want to, um, I, I want to know if on my auditions... I have to cover up my tattoos. I've got them on my arms and blah, blah, blah. And she explained this whole thing. And all the actors were like, you be you. It's going to be great. Don't worry about it. If they don't accept you for you, then it's not going to matter. So I chimed in and pointed out several problems. First, uh, your, your tattoos uh, are someone else's art. In other words, they have to be licensed. Um, That's true. Really? Yes. So you have to get a release from the tattoo artist in order to show them in a movie. And that's an additional pain in the ass that everyone wants to avoid. So that's why you cover it with makeup. Second, the problem is if you're not putting in the effort to conceal your tattoos when you're auditioning, I can't really figure out what other problems you're going to create once you show up on set. So I'm, gonna, I'm yeah. probably going to be like, okay, this person's not worth it. Because most actors, there is no distinguishing one or the other. Yes, there are good actors and bad actors, but most that you'll see are all about the same level. And people who get famous, it's just luck. Yes, there's yeah. you know, showing up and skill, and there is talent, but it's mostly luck. Um, so um, it, I tried to explain. Is there you know, a... Um, uh, is, is there a... Uh, um, sorry, I think I can't remember his name now. The producer who makes all the girls, Pink's producer, and is is there one of those for movies, like kind of the Simon Cowell of motion pictures? Who, well, I guess Weinstein, but not anymore. Yeah, was, um, was that? Yeah, he was that guy. I just I answered my own question there. Um, is it that way? Like, uh, how how, wanna, how do I want to say this? Is I know in the nineties, indie films were gigantic and got a lot of attention they got a lot of uh accolades are they not so much anymore or is it just more underground yeah, it's, than it's 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 more that it's too easy to make a movie so the product isn't worth anything so right. what what happens is you anyone can pick up a camera you can shoot a whole movie on a phone uh, yeah, exactly. and i know you'd be like you can shoot a movie on a phone steven soderbergh has made two movies on a phone one of them you can see on netflix um the, the high flying bird which is not right. bad you can see that was shot on a phone, like an iPhone. Or uh, what was the one about transsexuals? Tangerine. That was shot on an iPhone. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. So, so um, is there just mountains of crap out there now? Yeah, there's no... The, 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 the notion that like things are better or worse, oh, they were better when I was younger, is always ridiculous, as you can imagine. Just like the music isn't any better, your taste just changed. Um, yeah. There's well, just as much... The percentage of bad stuff is just as high. But it's so difficult to break through because there's too much product and there are too many streaming services and it's too difficult to get anybody's attention. So I honestly don't pay any attention whatsoever. Is it as good as it always was? Like, is there a David Mamet right now? Is there a well um, in terms of a playwright? I mean, that's who he, you know. That's what David Mamet excelled at as being a playwright initially. Of course, but his movies are, in my opinion, some of the best ever made. Um, well, like State State in Maine, I think is one of the greatest movies. Spartan is a great movie, but I don't know, you know, if you don't know it, sitting sitting right here, Spartan. <laughs> I actually don't know it. <laughs> That's a great movie. With him, it's Val Kilmer, one of his best roles. I'm a big Val Kilmer fan. Um, nice. 
Kiss Kiss uh, Bang yeah. Bang, I think, is one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, I'm 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 iffy on that one. I think I think his role is uh, Shane Black's um, poor attempt at apologizing for all his homophobia in his '80s scripts. Fair um, enough. Uh, Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout, especially Monster Squad, which piles on the homophobia for no particular reason when it's a kids movie. Um, <laughs> and so Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, while a charming movie, still has this character named Gay Perry, which is basically an excuse <laughs> so they call him, you know, Gay Perry, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is basically an excuse so they can make gay jokes and go, wait, I have the shield of of this is a gay character and we're okay with a gay character, but I'm still making all the same gay jokes. Is it more sophisticated than say when the Boonock Saints does it? Yes, but <laughs> that's not an excuse. That's something <laughs> we just had a, we just had a big uh, LGBT uh, rap guy on, on the show. And that's something that's bugged me for years. And I can't believe it still goes on where the gay guy has to be funny. That's right. In, in sitcoms, in movies, uh, the only way you you have to either be ridiculously tragic or really really funny. You can't just be a gay character. In my film, I've got five gay gay characters, uh, none of whom have to be funny. They're just people. Um, That's fantastic. So when, when when there was a streaming service that uh, offered me a deal, and they said, and I uh, it was a game to LGBT audiences, and they said they'd seen the movie supposedly, and they said, okay, can you describe to us what the what the gay storyline is. Well, there isn't a gay storyline. <laughs> They're just gay characters in the movie. And so I, I vomited it out about 850 words. And I said, you probably won't use any of this. Um, but here, <laughs> here are the gay characters and here are what they do. And like, they're just living their life. And this person is like this. And this person is as this, you know? So it was, uh, I mean, even the two villains are gay characters. They're just not out They're You know, I told the actors, Hey, you're based on, what if Roy Cohn and Joseph McCarthy were in a relationship? Um, <laughs> and and said, okay. And I said, imagine every scene that you have in the movie is a sex scene between the two of you, except you're never going to kiss. And all the jokes that you're doing about bananas, which they do. And every little gesture is basically a sex scene or innuendo or something. And they're like, got it. And they went with it. And so the, the scenes That's are very funny. Um, <laughs> Uh, they're much darker than they used to be before we actually had a viral pandemic. Um, so when they start talking about quarantines and high death counts and how proud they are of that and how they're going to hide the high death <laughs> count from the public, this scene plays a little differently than it did, say, I don't know, five months ago when it was just pretty no dark. No kidding. That's, uh, um, that's amazing to me that, it, that you – did you hesitate to put it out or were you because of the scamdemic? Or are you, uh, where, where, did it excite you? To, how, how did you react to it? No, it was a coincidence that I finished it the same week that I had, was quarantined. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, very funny. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, did, did I have hesitation? A little bit, but, but um, it was like, you know, the guy who plays the, the villain's henchman, he said to me, oh, my God, this is your movie, what's going on right now. And he's right. Um, but you still have to wait for it to be put out. I mean, you have all these options, but it's all these, as I said, like the series of no options where you're not going to make any money and no one is necessarily going to see it. It doesn't really matter how much energy I put. I could, I could appear on every podcast in the world. Getting someone else's attention is the hard part. Getting someone to That's care or, or, or notice it for more than a, a handful of minutes is, is in, in nearly impossible. I mean, 
you again, your audience may not know this, but when you watch a movie on Amazon Prime, if I if I have a distributor or I put it up myself, the the rate is the same. It's one cent an hour. So you watch wow. my hour forty two minute movie, I will get less than two cents. Wow. Um, right. A guy I had I, a story published by Amazon. I had a short story published by Amazon last year, but it's strictly for Kindle, and I don't okay. think I actually get paid or anything from it. But oh well, I'm sure there's there's like a transactional rate that you might get, probably, and it would be uh, again the Spotify money, basically, which Perhaps. I think is point zero zero three of a cent or something. Oh. Like that. <laughs> The transactional money, if you if you rent a movie on Amazon, is better. It's still 50-50. The best split is Vimeo, but nobody uses it. I think that split's something like 85-15 in the filmmaker's favor, which we would all love to use. But since nobody goes there, nobody accidentally runs a, a, a you know, like on YouTube, uh, you know, you, you'll see clips on the side. Nobody accidentally, that never accidentally happens on Vimeo. No one browses it just to do it. I would like to actually, because I use Magisto for a lot. I make a lot of little like one and two minute movies mm -hmm. and uh, they automatically go get put on Vimeo, but I never check them out there. I've never, I don't even know what it is, to be honest. You, you've now proven the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would love to be, you know, Vimeo to be a viable platform, but it's not. And I've probably got a dozen videos on there right now that I don't, <laughs> I don't track. I don't know what they do. Right. Um, and, and funny, the, I know nothing about any of the industry, but even I've heard of Vimeo. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard of them. Never seen well, anything on it, but I've heard of them. <laughs> one of those. It's like TikTok. You, you yeah. hear about it, but nobody knows what it is. <laughs> I know it exists. <laughs> is the, how's the, what's the state of the indie movie theater? Does that still exist? It exists. I mean, look, right now, I don't know if we're going to get anyone going to an indie movie theater for another year and a half. Because who right. wants to sit in a small room sharing the air just to see some movie that'll be on demand within two months? It's not. <laughs> yes. a, it's not like a big budget thing that looks better in a theater. I mean, everything looks better in a theater, but you know, I, do I to see an intimate drama, you know, in in a theater, is it worth you know potentially getting very sick or losing my life? No, I can wait. Um, so I uh, I live about three blocks from an independent theater, like a really good one. And uh, I, I can't see that there's much future in it because the margins were already paper thin for yeah. independent films. And independent films don't make any money in theaters anyway. Um, no, they never uh, really did, as far as and, I know. And, 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 you know, in, the, in these contracts, when they, when they say, oh, we'll play it in the theater, it's really a trick because they're going to they're gonna charge back all of the expenses. It's really a way yeah. to go through what's called cross-collateralization, where they will take that revenue out of any revenue that you bring in from DVD or which there's not much anymore or a cable sale or a whatever. And the, the theatrical is a way they can claw money back away from you. So it's actually a bad idea for an event. Okay, fair. Good to know. I used to love going, uh, there was a, I went to university in Calgary, Alberta, and there was a, a little theater. It just had two screens and they strictly independent movies. And I just loved it. There was just something about, the experience that that kind of added to it uh, i saw a lot of great movies there actually that would have been like uh 2001 to 2005 mm -hmm. sort of um they screened all of do you know one car why yeah sure uh 2046 yeah, um oh uh, what's the one I, i've seen a couple of those in the theater uh he's uh, got happy uh, together and, and, and fallen angels yeah, Fall yeah angels. i uh I saw them all 
in a they did a festival at this little indie theater and I just fell in love with him. Uh, he's an amazing director. Yeah, I very, don't know if he still does stuff. Uh, I'd have to look up. I, I, if I walk over to my computer and look up whether Wong Kar Wai has made a movie recently, will you guys get upset? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No, not I, at all. I'm, I'm, I'm still. I'm still his, since, tw- since 2046, so I don't know. Yeah, you're you're one of maybe three people who's actually heard of him. So I, uh, yeah. I can well, appreciate. I saw Chunking Express in the theater, Fallen Angels, uh, and Happy Together. Oh, Happy Together was amazing. Yeah. And that's just, those are ones I saw in the theater, and that's why they stick out in my mind. Uh, things like that. Things, just from that sort of era, late 90s, uh, early 2000s. Even, it, oh, like, early 90s, I used to, like... His last movie sorry? in 2013 is an Ip Man movie. Okay. I love oh, the okay. Ip Man movies. So he I'm made one huge called fan. So... You know, not not within the Ip Man series, but but I guess like a not a spinoff, but about the same guy. Yep. Cool. The closest so, I've ever seen to any independent film in in TV or in a theater was the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> that got two thousand, you know, played on two thousand screens. Yeah, <laughs> which would have been if they never announced that it was fake, it would have been brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Their initial setup for that movie was genius. Like they they oh, set it up initially just, very well. How do you promote it if it's with the actors if it's not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they did it with Trailer Park Boys though. The uh, Trailer Park Boys pulled it off marvelously. Where they were never out of character. Uh, do you know Trailer Park Boys, the TV show? Uh, yeah, I never watched it, but yeah, uh, it's um very very funny. Um. Probably one of the best things to ever come out of Canada, but they did it where they it's a like a fake uh, reality show mm-hmm. and they had a deal where they never appeared in public out of character for mm-hmm. like four years and uh, they they made it seem like it it just was real and people, until thought, they finally... people thought it was real at first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This is a real trail, but these fucking guys are crazy. <laughs> you know? oh, but it's got to be difficult, like for four years to never be out of character. In yeah. Like a Carl situation, one of those kind of things. Yeah, What's that? yeah. Carl Pilkington's <laughs> um, the, the, an idiot abroad. The the the, the foil for um, Gervais and Merchant. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> just, or, way um, more, just way more. Just way more crass. That, that, that um, Corolla and um, Kimmel did. Um, uh, Perry Caravallo. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which yeah. Fuck, I forgot all about that one. <laughs> I'm a massive Corolla fan, and I I, I I totally forgot about that. I'm a big fan of Adam Corolla's podcast. He's one of the... I didn't know what a podcast was before I started this one, and he's one I discovered after that, but I quite enjoy it. I, I used to love him back on, on Loveline. I out on of his podcast, I think, in 2012. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, if I need to hear... Uh, uh, a rich white guy complaining about all his problems. I can find that anywhere. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and if I want to hear him sound uh, uneducated and repetitive while pretending to know everything, again, I can find that anywhere. I don't. Need you to- can find that right here on Eric and Gord. What if we're right? <laughs> right. Every night of the week. But I basically <laughs> listen to his podcast quite frequently and then find myself going, Hey, can you do like a modicum of research to, before you say completely ridiculous and uneducated things that make you sound like a moron? Absolutely um, not. I mean, it, that 
that takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> exactly. You, you can pretty much say that about anybody who's very uh, biased yeah. in one way or another. It's, well, no, but there's I, a sense of there's a sense of shame that I I think is rewarding and helpful. Um, and yeah, he I does not appear, he does not appear to have any. Hence, he's moved on to that stage of his career where he's on the road as a grifter with Dennis Prager, and that's just very that's depressing. True. Um, that is that true. He's not allowed to speak at colleges while he's speaking at colleges. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm I wonder about Prager. I don't think Prager is what he seems to be, but. I have no proof of that. A I grifter just... or not a grifter? I mean, he's a, he's a grifter. That's, that's what that oh, is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But uh, I just, I, I think he's a caricature. Caricature, sorry. There are caricatures, and I think there is a level of sincerity. Like, many years ago, I put up, it still might be available on my Twitter, if your listeners want to find it, I put up um, the uh, Mount Rushmore of disingenuity. And I had <laughs> Bill O'Reilly, Ted Cruz, yeah. Um, Andrew Breitbart and Grover Norquist. Now, your listeners probably will know who some of those are. Grover Norquist is the guy who runs it's Americans for Prosperity, but it, he's he's like one of the most. He's a very smart guy. All of these people I would name are were very and either alive or not were very smart people, and they don't believe a word they're saying. Um, and fair Prager enough. is probably on the bubble. He would not be on the Mount Rushmore of disingenuity, but he would be close. So it's hard to know how much if he's a grifter and that I mean I'll give you that it's not always clear but 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 the difference between grifter and moron that that line is fading so either you're so cynical that you're pretending to believe something or you are that stupid and what is what is the difference eventually honestly like it's a fine line and if you walk it who who are you trying to fool do you believe it is it worse that they don't believe it or that they do yeah it's true I, it's a good question. I know I sometimes question myself, but uh, I've very recently been introduced to the fact that I, I very much believe in me <laughs> and what I'm doing with this show. Um, I didn't mean to shut down any conversation. I know you guys have. Uh, oh, you didn't. I'm episode titles. Uh, uh, your your thinking might be considerably more right wing than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm kind I'm, of all over the map. I don't really have a wing. I I. I go with what what I believe is to right and and true and that's uh that's all I can do. It's neither left wing or right wing for the most part. It's just uh basically how I feel. Mm-hmm. I could um, can't stand any of the wings, so fuck them all. I just don't care. <laughs> I live by I live by two rules that I express very much on the show. Uh the first rule is stop lying. That's I think we could all be uh, just a thousand times better off than we are in the 21st century if everyone would just stop lying. Well, then uh, you've got to introduce shame because the thing that prevents people from lying is shame. True. Uh, I think it can be, you could do it without the shame, though. You can do it in a arrogant, pig-headed way. And just, when it comes to, like, the environment, uh, that's a big topic for Gordon and I. Um, the oil, the elimination of oil. Uh, is oil bad for the planet? Absolutely. It's terrible. Uh, are we going to get rid of it anytime soon? Absolutely not. So why yeah, don't we just on. Stop, yeah. stop fighting, get together, and and solve a problem? Because yeah. um, th- the people on either side of these arguments, they're, they're so convinced, like they're, they're just so determined to prove the other side wrong. It doesn't matter that if they're right or not. The point is just prove that. the other side wrong. 
I don't think there's actually anyone on the other side of the oil argument except for the oil companies. It's just that the oil companies promote and promote and try to pretend that they're the victims because that's how sure. this works. Stop lying. You're not a- <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they can just stop lying. We can all work together and just figure out a way to deal with it. I don't think global warming is going to be the be all end all of us. I think we'll figure out warm. We've figured out a lot of worse things than warm. Well, I don't know if fracking is necessarily the solution, considering what it seems to do to the areas, the, the water and the the earth underground, and is it causing earthquakes and all that stuff. If that's the solution, I don't, I don't know if that's no, the that's proper. that's definitely not the solution. But uh, uh, we could find. I I think there's a middle ground. I think in all these big fights, there's a middle ground to be met. And if people would just stop lying, they'd they'd get there. If you but but you got to remember these people these companies have to sell you something, so they have to lie. That's all that is. It's always very true. I'm on your show to sell a product, right? I'm on your show to sell my movie. Now, am I going to lie about it and say something that's not in it? No, but I'm still you know it's still puffery. It's still an example of an exaggeration. It's a rip rollicking good time. Blah 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 blah. You know. But that's what I, I like. You're you're honest about why you're here. Um, and that's, that's, I appreciate that. I wish yeah. more people could be that genuine. I think, especially in politics, we need someone like that. Yeah. Uh, you're not, you're not coming here to honest. say that you're a massive fan of the show. You listen to every episode. You're a huge fanatic of that's why you came on. No, you're here to promote your park and we're right. good no, with I that. Listen, I listen to one, Yeah, but I, it's probably more than most of your guests probably have listened to though. I would imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you still came on. So I'm still saying this is a plus. So. We've had a lot of people listen okay. to it and then decide against it. Yeah, that's happened. <laughs> uh, we just had most that happened to me recently. I was invited on a podcast, and um, the uh, I started. You know, I like to listen to at least a few, and you know, I've been on uh, one where I was like, okay, this is going to be a challenge, and uh, I'm going to get through this, and it'll be an experience of how to navigate either non questions or bad questions, and I did okay. And but there was a recent one that invited me on 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 the show on their show, and uh, so I I said hey you know let me get back to you can you link me to it and I started listening and it was a guy who was talking to his uh, girlfriend on the show and he he kept calling everything retarded, um, oh wow, and uh, people retarded and he called things retarded and and my girlfriend was in the background and she said are you going to appear on the show and I said nope, <laughs> <laughs> not doing that anymore. <laughs> Right, a guy talking to his girlfriend. Was it the the fake headline one? What's that? Was it the fake headlines podcast? No. Uh, I no, okay. I'm obviously not going to name it. Um, no, I guess not. <laughs> That's uh, just that happens to be a show where it's a husband and wife, and he's been known to use that word a lot too. Actually, so have I. So I can't really judge. Right, but this was about seven times inside of maybe two minutes. Uh, near the beginning, and he and he was using it to try to show off to his girlfriend, and it was very weird. Ah, oh. <laughs> that sounds like Gord. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know, it's it's a it's a thing. So I have to consider this, though. So, so someone said to me, "Well, you should pitch your movie to conspiracy theorists because part of the premise of the film is that they're picking on poor uh, brown and black people because that's what you do. That that this that's... is a way to eliminate poverty." And someone seems to be said, happening right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 maybe it was ahead of the curve on that one. Um, but but in the premise of the film is that that they they do that and they know that nobody's going to care because they're poor brown and black people if they fence them off and let them die. 
because uh, who's going to put up a stink necessarily? And um, uh, and it's it's deliberately, you know, you hear the villains literally talk about, okay, well, you know, (laughs) that's what this area is. That's fine. Um, But uh, someone said to me, well, you can try to promote this movie to conspiracy theorists. And I said, is that an audience I should want to reach? Because the characters in the film do talk about a conspiracy theory because they get stranded in this basement and they get bored and they get frustrated and they're scared and they start talking about the predicament and they just drift into conspiracy theories as might as as you might do if you were tired and scared. And and someone said, well, why not? And I said, how do you pitch to that audience? And is that healthy? Like, I don't want my movie to be taken the wrong way, but it's sort of out in the open. Like, you can't control what audiences take to it. You know, I, I so uh, is it a... kind of a? I'm very excited to see it. I really, really am. Uh, does it have kind of a a um, Virginia Wolf feel to it? Is that the um the, the more Virginia Wolf stuff was was uh, there was some much longer scenes where there was a lot more yelling. So there's there's less yelling, but there's less camaraderie than there used to be. Um, so um, the the basement scenes were very um, there was a lot of them. It was probably. 45 minutes of the movie and now it's down about half an hour and that's the movie is better because of it because it was just it just stopped when we did that um so um there's less of it than there used to be there's there's some good stuff that was cut but it hurt the pacing too much um i'm picturing in my mind like a uh a mashup sort of a virginia wolf and district nine kind of mashup <laughs> i think it's just bet because the movie, movie is so often goofy is shawn of the dead yeah. Dead Alive, the pre- or Brain Dead, the Peter Jackson movie, uh, and The Crazies, either version. Um, so what, yeah. what happens for you? Uh, oh, you're Pap- a film. Paprika. Yeah. Paprika. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. What was your question? about that. No, no. I'm just uh, babbling on about myself again. I tend to do that. Um, <laughs> so as a, as a, now you're a filmmaker. Um, what's next for, for you? Do you have another project on the go, or is it well, still... you can shoot anything now? But um, I, I have a script that I want to shoot. But um, you know, you you can't get anyone in the same room. You can't. There's you know, you can't get anything insured. You can't. Yeah, I guess so. I never thought It'll of that. It'll be a long time before I can shoot it. And then the concern is that it 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 takes place basically in 2018. And do you have to acknowledge um, uh, the coronavirus? Do you have to integrate the thing? Is it going to be like how can you not talk about that? How can you not? deal with this major issue but you know the movie deals with other issues that that uh you know were relevant then but maybe may seem quaint now who knows um yeah so i it's a it's a sort of a mix of oleana and old boy to about a a guy who um, gets kidnapped by his uh ex's brother who's going to punish him and puts him in a basement um and it's uh basically three characters in a room screaming at each other um, uh, but, um, when I'm able to shoot okay. it, I, I don't know. I mean, this is another one of those things where, um, I was concerned about the wrong audience taking the wrong <laughs> messages from it. But I guess, again, you can't control that, you know, yeah, you don't, you can't control how someone's going to read into it. And, and, um, I guess the only you can hope for is, uh, is, you know, is anyone even to care? Like, can you, can you muster up enough? energy for to make somebody care i mean someone when i was talking about this second script they said hey why would you want to make that what's your point point?" and i said i like making people uncomfortable and he said is that a reason to make a movie and i said i guess it is for me 
Um, well, it should be. Unless you're doing it like Cronenberg uh, uh, style or something, which is just... Um, I genuinely like things that make people uncomfortable. I also really like unhappy endings. They're my right. favorite. Like uh, Dancer in the Dark is probably my all-time favorite movie right now. It has been for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's so tragic. And it there's never a happy point. And I just well, love that about it. Manipulative because they, it's just a lot of, it's, it's a, it's the standard Lars von Trier. I'm going to make you feel bad about being the only audience who put up with me in the first place. Like all the Fair von Trier movies after the, after breaking the wave seem to be just basically, I'm going to punish the only middle brow audience who likes these kind of movies by rubbing <laughs> your nose in it and making <laughs> you feel bad for this entertainment. Uh, uh, Michael Haneke does the same thing. Um, yeah. Uh, with funny games that may be the ultimate in that um, either version that you see. Um, and I was, I'm sort of amused by uh, Von Trier, what he does in which he is so self-indulgent and so deliberately alienating for what I can tell. It, it seems like almost parody, but is not supposed to be a joke. Um, Fair enough. So I, uh, uh, sorry, Gord, I, I know you're, you're uh you're sitting in silence there. Um, I've just I've never I've never heard of Dancer in the Dark, and I'm just looking it up. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it stars Bjork. Yeah, and the soundtrack is Bjork and Tom York. It's amazing soundtrack. Um, I actually had this. Uh, I heard the soundtrack before I saw the movie, and that made me want to see it. And I was glad I did. Um, where was should watch, was I should watch Breaking the Waves. It's very similar. He made it about four years before with Emily oh, Watson. Okay. I, I'm a big fan of the Downers. Uh, Roger Nygaard, he was the last uh, film guy we had on here. You know what's funny? I interviewed Roger Nygaard 10 years ago on my podcast. Really? Um, yeah, when he was promoting The Nature of Existence. Very good guy. That's I liked awesome. him a lot. He's a great guy. Um, really fun guy to talk to. Um, so, sorry, I just babble on about my influences. What's, uh, let's see, where was I? I've lost it now. So, I was asking about your next project. You can't do one. What do, what do people do right now? Then is it just is it just a hiatus for the entire industry? Yeah, I mean, I have a regular job, so it doesn't ah, change enough. that. But um, yeah, that's how I financed the movie was was the regular job. But um, yeah, I, I people are just sitting around. I mean, you yeah. know, the actors' unions are are waiting for the uh, okay to go back to work, but they can't quite agree on how any of it would work. So you can't get close to anybody. And, you know, what do you do if uh, uh, somebody gets infected? Are they fired? What do you do then? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, I, I'm, it's an 89% recovery rate. I think everybody should go back to work. I mean, that's uh, not a very good recovery rate. <laughs> no. Um, on, on a totally different subject, I, I wanted to ask. Yeah. Uh, as when back in the day, I guess the, the, the studio that took chances was Lionsgate. Is there one now that, uh, is willing to take chances anymore or is everything just going to be it's remakes and it's, oh, okay. 
Yeah, they, they they put out a great slate of movies pretty much every year. I mean, Neon picked up Parasite in the U.S., but that they're kind of small. Um, but okay. A24 has been doing, is basically the Miramax of now. Um, I see. I uh, swore off movies years ago. I haven't watched a single one. The last new film I watched was uh, 21 Jump Street. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then I just, I was just done with the industry just because everything at the time was a remake or a sequel and i just i couldn't deal with it i think yeah, last uh, the year, karate last year a24 karate. put out uh uncut gems oh, waves the lighthouse uh the farewell oh, okay. mid somar last black man in san francisco under the silver lake wow. um, i've heard i've heard of climax I just is Esper Noe film um 2018, uh, 8th Grade, which was great. Hereditary, also very good. Uh, first Reformed, last movie. Star. I don't know. None, none of those sound like a comic book movie. Yep, none that's of them not... are. <laughs> the, the Disaster Artist, Lady Bird, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Now, that's a great filmmaker, the guy who made that. Um, wow. but Yorgos Lanthimos, who made um, The Lobster and um, oh, okay. The Favorite and... Um, um, uh, the one I love, Dogtooth, um, about the um, the family that uh, uh, can basically isolates their own kids, and so they just teach their kids alternate words for things, so they can never experience the outside world. Oh wow! It's Ooh. great. What's it's it very, called? Dogface. Uh, dog, Dogtooth. Dogtooth. Very. I love dark comedies, and that's one of the darkest. Yeah. Um, so do I. So, yeah, so anytime anybody like makes a phone call, they'll use alternate words, so they they have no instinct to go to the outside world and experience any of it. Um. So yeah, yeah it's 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 great. Very neat. Uh, um, what's what's one movie make, that's the Lobster is? I also like that one a lot. You might have, that with Colin Farrell. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. I've heard great things for it, and I'm not a big Colin Farrell fan, but. Well, he's playing kind of someone uh, dumpy in it. I mean, the, the premise is that you that you um, you are forced to find someone to fall in love with in this futuristic version of society, and if you do not find if you do not fall in love with the person who you are assigned to within your group, then you will be turned into an animal of your choice. Oh, very cool, Gord. You can get in on this one. I want to. I want to know. I'm very curious for you too. What's mm. one movie in we could go all time. One movie that's just really disappointed you. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Um, there actually was... Uh, oh, <laughs> American Ninja Part 2. That movie broke my heart. <laughs> well, I Steve was James still in that one. And he's a good part of those movies. I was such a fanatic. I loved the first one so much, and I saw the second one, and I almost wept. I was just like, oh, this is just not what I wanted at all. <laughs> I was yeah, really well, sad by the second one. I, I, I James have... is not in the third one, right? Is that when he dies? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's the only thing I like in the first one. So, <laughs> like, the second one, doesn't it deliver exactly what the first one does, which is basically repeating it? Yeah, and that's why. Like, I was just hoping for just just something slightly different, but there was literally no difference. It was just watching the same movie just set on a slightly different backdrop. It was just, oh, sure, it was so sad. All, all those canon movies, they, I mean, that's where those Ninja movies, you know, American versions anyway, come from, like Enter the Ninja. Yeah. And then the sequel oh, yeah. was that um, Revenge of the Ninja, and then and then the one that everyone enjoys, because it's ridiculous, Ninja 3, The Domination. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a mix of like Breakin and The Exorcist and a ninja movie. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's stupid, but it's a lot yeah, of fun. Very stupid. I actually spent the better part of 10 years trying to find American Ninja on DVD. Uh, okay. It took forever. I, I couldn't get it on. I couldn't. I mean, this is like I started searching before Amazon was a thing and just couldn't find it anywhere. And finally, once Amazon existed, I'm like, I looked it up one day. I'm like, fuck, it's there. So I, I bought it. And I was and the dumb thing was, do you want to know how much it cost me to buy it? Not on Blu-ray on basic DVD. It cost me forty four fucking dollars. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, on, it was it was in America in like region one full frame, I think. Yeah, for many years, and yep. <laughs> I think it was probably available overseas. Like you never got like a region free player when that no. was a thing. Yeah, no, I didn't have no. Mine was very specific for North America only. So oh, I was I, early on the on the PAL and in, you know and region two <laughs> players because I knew there were so many movies. Gee, I paid a ridiculous amount. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Early, I'm bad for that. I paid a ridiculous amount for SFW. I think it was about that much for the DVD just a few years ago, actually. Um, which I think, oh, if, yeah. if no one's seen, yeah. it's the quintessential '90s movie. I think just oh, I points the out everything. Did you really? Yeah, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in the theater. I have a list. <laughs> really? You didn't? I thought it was hilarious. I just enjoyed it. What's What's one for you, Adam? Is Is there a movie that just uh, you... the most disappointing movie I've ever seen is probably Alien Resurrection. Oh, oh, yeah. that's a good choice because. Um, that was made by Jean-Pierre Junot, Junet, who made The City of Lost Children, which is one of my favorite movies. And he made, he also made Amelie later. Um, and he made uh, Delicatessen. And uh, the, uh, Delicatessen and City of Lost Children are absolutely stunning movies. Uh, visually just extraordinary, if you haven't seen them. Um, Ron Perlman uh, is Delicatessen. In, 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 yeah, City of Lost Children is, is just, it's a, a feast. I mean, I mean, I don't like to use that word, but that's what it is. Um, uh, it's it's hard to explain. It's basically like this guy can't dream, so he starts kidnapping children and stealing their dreams. Um, uh, and um, he's you know the circus performer played by um, Ron Perlman helps out this little girl to go try to kidnap re uh, uh, unkidnap her brother who's been kidnapped by this okay. this monster who's stealing oh, all the children. Okay. It's fantastical and absurd, and it's gorgeous and it's weird and it's just like. Close-ups on faces of every strange thing that you can imagine, and so when I heard that he was being given a hundred million dollars and he was getting the same director of photography who you, who shot *Sea of Lost Children*, who shot Seven, uh, Darius Kanji, oh, to wow. shoot *Alien Resurrection*, I thought, well, this is going to look great. It's going to be weird, and all that happened is he put Ron Perlman in it and he put the guy from *Delicatessen* and *Sea of Lost Children* in it, and <laughs> totally interesting in it at all. Um, and I think that was the most disappointed I've ever been in a movie at the time in terms of my anticipation. And, uh, th I think, I, I think I stopped anticipating movies after that, honestly, because it was like, I can never yeah. be, never feel as rejected as I feel here. And I didn't hate alien three. Um, I've never really hated it. I know a lot of people do. I think it, I think it works okay in the longer cut, but, um, I like alien three. I didn't mind it. Um, Peter Berg. Yeah, how, how do you hate anything with Peter Berg? <laughs> Peter Berg? Is he not Alien 3? No. No. Oh. You, uh, um, what Alien am I 3. thinking of? Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, who am I, I thinking of? 
I don't know. I mean, Peter Berg's an actor. Yeah. Is he not in Alien 3? Who's the guy I'm thinking of? He just died recently. Pete Postlethwaite. Oh, that might be it. The, the, the guy who was in what, one of those Jurassic Park ones, and he's also Kobayashi in Usual Suspects. Oh, shit. Oh, that no, guy. no, that's not the guy I'm thinking of. Uh, is he dead, too? That sucks. Yes, he's dead. <laughs> I, I have know. no idea. Oh, you, know, was, um, you know, when you talk about disappointing movies, there was one I was trying to think of, but um, I can't really say I was disappointed because I lost so much interest in the, in the franchise. But uh, Friday the 13th... Um, was it Jason? No, Jason lost in space or Jason yeah. goes to space. Was that Jason X? X? Yeah. That's too, yeah. That How was, was that, that was like one of the most pathetically stupid, boring, pointless, dumbest pieces of crap movies I've ever seen. But I think you're right. Still enjoyable because it's almost exactly as soon as I saw him again, this is going to be the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen. And it didn't disappoint. So I can't say that I was disappointed. Well, yeah, but once they, I mean, that's the old cliche. Once they send the franchise to space, yeah, they're they're kind of admitting that they've got nowhere to go. When they sent the Leprechaun to space, when they did Hellraiser in space, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same. Okay, we've got nothing. It's the yeah. the horror franchise equivalent of jumping the shark is yeah. That's exactly. I mean, honestly, Leprechaun in space is the best of them. It's not really not even close how much better Leprechaun Four is than the other ones. <laughs> I haven't. I seen, that's the I only Leprechaun movie I haven't it. seen. I've seen all the others. For for me, it was uh, my sister's keeper. Back to the hood, just because I was such a fan of the book. <laughs> my sister's keeper. And, uh, yeah, I was a huge fan of the novel, and the when you get to the end of the movie, you're just like, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> this is actually a decent movie up until the last ten minutes. You're like, "What?" <laughs> they just destroyed the. It's got the the novel has such a beautifully tragic ending, and the book is or sorry, the movie is just happy. No. <laughs> Where's the tragedy? What the hell? <laughs> um, and Cameron Diaz, she's consistently disappointed me for my entire life, basically. <laughs> I mean, what were you? Expecting? I don't understand why she's. Oh, I, I well, I was expecting the ending from the book. That's it. Uh, I I would have even accepted her had they ended it the way the book ended, but um. That was just a heartbreaking for me. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen uh, the, the I don't movie? Know he... Go ahead, Eric. No, I okay. just uh, I I don't know if either of you have read it or or seen it, but no. it's it's almost it's really close to the book right up until the last five minutes. Oh. I didn't actually catch what um, title you were talking about. I don't want to spoil it for people. Are you? Just... What what movie oh, are you talking? My, about? my sister's keeper. Oh, my sister's keeper. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. I didn't actually hear my what you sister's said. keeper. Okay. I, oh, I, yeah, um, I was a big novel. I was a big fan of uh, read the uh, Stephen Kick novel, um, the, the 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 dark the dark half. Mm-hmm. Um, then oh, they okay. came out with that in the movie, and I gotta say that is one of the few times where the I I found the movie was really close to the book. They kept pretty much almost every major scene in, except for one, only because at the time I just don't think they could have delivered it uh, with justice with what the uh, special effects at, at the time. But I was blown away by that when I saw the movie. Thinking, holy shit, they actually nailed it! I was really happy with oh. that. 
But That's rare for Stephen King movies. Usually yeah, there, usually there. There is a there is a movie that that was made of his that's way better than the book. Now they made a mediocre movie out of it, but it's a dreadful book. It's called Dolores Claiborne. Um, I read the book in college. I've never seen it. And it's basically four hundred pages about dust bunnies. Um, <laughs> and the movie with Jennifer Jason Leigh and Kathy Bates is just fine. Um, yeah, uh, it never it never gets better than just fine. But uh, it is not a bore, and it is not uh, six hours long, um, which is what if you did a straight adaptation of, you know, Dolores Claiborne would be. Yeah, um, it would be. Oh, and you could say that with almost any Stephen King um, book to movie. It, 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 they never seem to work. The only reason I give them a pass is because he signs off on all of them. They're not just. Well, it's because he's got that policy for low-budget filmmakers. He's really cool about it. Like, if you are a low-budget filmmaker and you want to adapt his film, as long as it's not for profit, he will sell you the rights for a dollar. That's very cool of him. I did not. Um, That's just pretty cool. He just wants to see, you know, like, he, he wants to give people a chance. And as long as you're not actually selling it, he's like, here, you know, use the material. Do what you want to do. He's been doing it for many years. Yeah. Um, I, okay, I got to ask, just because I'm very curious, uh, in, in the age of remakes... What's one what what's one remake that hasn't happened, Adam, that you feel should now? And of of any is there one? Well, not not really. I mean, I, there's no there's no advantage to to remaking anything. I mean, why not? I personally, I would love to see an updated Doctor Zhivago. Okay, with with Carrie Elwes in the lead role, I think would be amazing. Here, I'll show you what you should remake. Can you see this? This laserdisc here? Theodore Rex? <laughs> yeah. That's Whoopi Goldberg and, a, and, a, and an animatronic dinosaur. I can't believe you have that. <laughs> on laserdisc? Yeah, I've got a lot of ter- terrible things on laserdisc. That's so good. <laughs> That's amazing. That's the you one know, that she was contractually obligated to appear in, and, and I'm not kidding. Really? I see. That's it. Had to do it. She was going to get sued if she didn't appear in it because they got the financing based on her name. And then she read the script and went, uh, no. And then, <laughs> and then they were going to sue her. And because, um, Kim Basinger had just been sued over boxing Helena, which, which, uh, which oh, I also God. have in a box set laser disc. <laughs> I, it's a I, limited edition. Nice. Yeah. Boxing um, Helena is one of those movies on the same as, um, the, the, uh, oh, what's the one about the twins? Dead um, Ringer. Dead Ringer, yes. Dead Ringer. It's, 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 uh, Dead Ringers is a great movie. Boxing Helena yeah. is really, really bad. It's, it's just, just basically, around the same era like that I've Diaries kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, she did not. It's Jennifer Lynch's daughter. She did not pull it off at all. Um, but uh, it's, yeah. it's a very odd kind of failure that I don't mind, but I, I would never show it to anyone and go, oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> i got something you'll enjoy no you don't yeah no theodore rex was famous because they they, they she Whoopi was terrified that, that she was gonna get sued so she does the movie and right around the same time they start the movie with their animatronic dinosaur that farts all the time and knocks everything with tails um uh, jurassic park comes out and then it becomes pointless to make a uh, terrible animatronic yeah. <laughs> mobile dinosaur movies so it's a cop buddy movie with a dinosaur um <laughs> that's and it's it's uh, sat on the shelf for several years and then became like the most expensive direct-to-video movie ever at the time so oh, that's i only this not not for great reasons but because i just like having just odd things on laser that's a great one to have 
Here is, here is I, a at least... signed version of Leonard Part 6. No. Oh, my God. Oh, I used to tell awesome. a terrible joke. I, I used to reference that in my comedy. I used to do stand-up years ago, and I used to always talk about uh, Leonard 1 through 5. Right. And nobody ever got it. And it here is a, a terrible joke. Which one's that? That's Clifford with Martin oh, Short. Clifford. Clifford. Oh, Clifford. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Martin Short is a guy that just... It, it's got to be a bitter pill to swallow when one of your characters is bigger than you were ever in your career. <laughs> what do you mean, Jiminy Glick or, or which one? Yeah, G- Jiminy Glick is way bigger than Martin Short ever was. That's got to hurt him a little bit. Not really in the U.S., it's just a character he played. No different than like Ed Grimley when she had a cartoon for. Yeah. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're that kind of a... I would be bitter if like my character was bigger than myself. That would just That's- bug me. That just seems to be the way for a lot of, especially those like those uh, artists that go there and get typecast by certain things because they get they do that one role so well, or it's written so well for them, and then they just every time they do something else, like hey, do that character again? No, no, fuck off. I can no, that's do more what De Niro's made a life out of it. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> De Niro has <laughs> found his niche. <laughs> kind of. I, I can't. I'm not um, sure I can. T- Clifford or Leonard Part Six, but <laughs> for what I've got on Laserdisc, it's like uh, appalling. Those, you know, those are those um, some of the best worst. You know, I was always bitter about Laserdisc for years, simply because um, Pink Floyd uh, released their Pulse uh, concert video only on Laserdisc. Was never released on DVD, Blu-ray, or anything else for many, many years, and I was so bitter because I went to that concert, and I was so bitter over the fact that it was only available on Laserdisc. I'm like. I'm not going to buy a goddamn player just so I can have this one because they didn't have any interest in it otherwise. But I was I was so bitter about Laserdisc for years about it. But uh, thankfully, Pink Floyd got off their ass and finally released it on Blu-ray. I mean, it <laughs> sounds like you God. have important priorities. I do. Yeah, that's about the only one because, yeah, I love my movies and DVDs and I'm a massive collector still to this day. I still collect them, even though I have a huge digital copy. But. Yeah, no, I love my I love my movies. Are you are you saying that you're jealous uh, jealous of my massive Laserdisc collection? Because I am extremely jealous. I am <laughs> I am beyond because I've owned every f- music or uh, video format. I had them all. I had Beta. I had VHS. I had um, I I briefly had a Laserdisc player, but I found out that the one I bought would not play anything. It wouldn't play anything in North America, so I guess it was a European laserdisc player. Oh, you had or a something. laserdisc player, yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so I got this thing, like, yay! And I went to and I, I bought like three laserdiscs, and it wouldn't work. And so I just I, I got rid of all of it, and I was just really bitter about the whole thing and gave it all up. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I now have like, yeah, I've just well, I know my you collection. did. I got quite the collection still. I know you didn't want to for this to drag out too long, and we've gone. Quite a while here. Are you still cool hanging out, or do you want to? I mean, yeah. If you're if you're going to keep it up, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, I just I didn't want well, to interfere with your night. Right, the donkey's coming in because he wants me to go to bed. But um, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but um, but it's 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 okay because I can keep the French doors closed, and that's you know my girlfriend can sleep, and that's okay. She's not Perfect. come out and say, "Hey, shut up." <laughs> so we haven't <laughs> talked about it enough. What's uh, where can people see? Um, wait, wait, don't kill me. Is it? Is not out yet, so I didn't it's know. Not what out yet. 
Yes, I didn't know whether you wanted me to, to say, hey, can you hold this until blank? Or I don't know how oh, that works. It's totally up to you if you'd prefer that, sure. Sure. I mean, is that's okay? Because I, I don't know how much your listeners want uh, want to hear me discuss all the ways the distribution works more so than I, you know, discussed earlier because it's boring. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, so super detailed about how sure. this stuff works. That'll give me a chance to actually edit it together a little bit because um, I've been promoting the heck out of it. I've been really looking forward to the interview. And I know very little about the movie until uh, tonight, but uh, it just seemed like something I would like. Oh, no, you so, won't. Uh, I don't think you'll enjoy it at all, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, you could be right. Who knows? I've been, I've, I very rarely know what I like anymore. The, the tagline is keep your expectations low. <laughs> that's how i feel fair about enough. my life with everybody I'm just just everybody I just mean, assume i'm gonna be a piece of shit that, <laughs> that is that that is most of my interactions in life is that i've kept my expectations very low and i'll always be surprised if someone impresses me <laughs> i it's am a good, it's a good policy <laughs> it, it is because i live sort of the opposite way and i have been let down by a ton of people that i've met uh <laughs> who i i had very high expectations of and they turned out to be douches um, one of my favorite, uh, comedic voice talents turned out to be a super douche and it really wrecked my life back when I was doing the standup. Um, he knows it and everybody knows it. I don't mind saying it's John Benjamin, um, <laughs> of, of Archer fame. He also has a van. He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> that was, that was, and that was a great show. <laughs> he also has a horrible attitude. Uh, <laughs> I met him once in the in the nineties, and I didn't experience that. But sure. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, maybe it's, maybe he just didn't like me. I don't know. Uh, that was a, a a lifetime ago. Um, do you, is there one of those in your life? I love hearing disappointing stories. Is there someone you kind of looked up to that that let you down? Um, yeah, I mean, most celebrities are just people. I, I, you know, I worked as a production assistant when I was in high school, and I met plenty of famous people, and then you know. As when I was a film critic, I'd meet certain people, but yeah, super famous people are very guarded. Um, yeah. And um, uh, when I was when I was a film critic, I would do interviews, and I and and my style of interviewing was very confrontational, and I like to I like people to be ill at ease almost immediately, and <laughs> then and then um, get them which they because they get asked I would ask questions that no one would ever ask, and uh, and then just you know watch them try to deal with it and like then i can ask questions that i'm really curious about like ask something like completely off kilter to start to either make them laugh or make them confounded and then and then you see where the interview goes um fair enough you can't always get away with that and i there were certainly there were, there were plenty of times where it would go absolutely wrong but i would just weather the storm because because the experience amused me it's probably a bad way to go about it but so I, I can't. Uh, no, that sucks. Uh, is it kind of like Nardwar up here does? <laughs> right. I mean, I don't. I don't have any like you know. I, you know, I interacted with a lot of comedians in New York in the '90s and the aughts, and yeah, you know, some of them were mean and nasty, but nothing that that sustained. I'm not going to go. You know, uh, Todd Barry was rude to me once. Yeah, but who cares? Oh yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, com- comedians are the worst. I, I don't know if people. I guess people must know that by now that. Comedians by nature are just horrible people who are not funny and usually miserable. Yeah. You know, I met John Mulaney before he was famous. He was doing a bit on stage. And in the middle of the bit, um, because we were in the back of a bar, 
um, the the, uh, the busboy stood up on on the stage itself and walked right past him, and he got distracted and uh, never went back to the bit. And then I ran into him about a week later, another comedy club outside. Again, he wasn't famous at this point. He wasn't writing for SNL or anything. And I approached him and I said, hey, how does that bit end? And he's like, <laughs> I said, you don't need to tell me the joke. I'm just curious about how the bit ends. And, and then he was, he was, he was uh, taken aback and he, didn't, he, he did not appreciate, even though I, was, I think I was perfectly nice about it, because I was like, oh, I understand why you were distracted. Of course, I would be distracted too. Um, and then he never, I never heard him do the bit again. Uh, and I never heard, um, uh, so I don't know how it ends. Um, I remember essentially the concept, but I was curious where it was going. Um, it was something about, uh, uh, reading his girlfriend's email or something. Um, and and we, we, I never, (laughs) I never learned where it went. So I don't think he would do it now. Um, so yeah, but other than, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't have like, uh, you know, stories of working on sets except someone oh, someone was tired that day and they were rude i mean you put yeah. up with it i mean it doesn't you know, I, I, I mean it, it, i think of it there was there was a famous website in the in the aughts called the a-list and it would have like every hollywood rumor about every actor yeah and and then it would have all this gossip in it and most of the gossip were like waiters who were like writing in like yeah, I, tr- I served this person and they were rude they're rude or you know gay rumors or whatever and they were called fods or friends of dorothy Oh um, yeah, <laughs> and it was just nonsense, and and it's the same thing. I'm like, okay, so you're going to characterize this whole whole person's life as being rude because you know you didn't get a big enough tip, or you mistook how they looked at you, or they didn't look at you long enough, or they didn't respect your fawning over them as a waiter or something. I don't know that you know it, it, you you can characterize any interaction that way. You don't know if someone had a bad day. I mean. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, just, I don't judge I just, that one. I find there's people. No, uh, John Benjamin, by the way, was just sincerely rude to me for about an hour. Um, but there's people who are just never like that. I, I find, and they, I, I just tend to respect them more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Larry Miller was a good example for me. I did, I got to open for Larry Miller at a comedy show. Mm-hmm. He was hilarious. Um, but just a really cool, humble guy, um, seemed more excited to meet me than I was to meet him. And I just always love that about celebrities, especially someone of his stature. Yeah. I still, he still does one of the great bits, the five stages of drinking. Yes. (laughs) And I know that one. (laughs) I I watched that maybe a year ago and I'm like, this still holds up. Yeah, he's one of the <laughs> genuinely nicest people I've ever met in my life. And he actually sat in the audience for every other comic before he got up. That's um, cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, I thought that was really neat of him. Um, <laughs> uh, Gord, who's, do you have a famous friend? Other, oh, you got the Iron Chef, buddy. Yeah, my, uh, a buddy of mine I went to high school with him, friends with. He had, um, he's a chef, top-rated chef in Canada. Um, runs a restaurant um, in town called uh, Campbellville next um, next to ours, and uh, he was on Iron Chef Canada, and he went against um, I can't think of her name at this very moment because I actually can't stand the chick. Um, but he went against <laughs> this uh, went against this other other Iron Chef, and I can't stand this chick. And he just fucking dominated her, made her look like a fool. And I, I didn't know it was Iron Chef Canada. I thought it was the real one. Uh, no, it's, it's the Iron Chef Canada. Oh, it's totally different. Yeah. But it's, but still cool enough that, you know, a friend of mine 
uh, got on TV. Like, I mean, he gets a lot of television stuff and spots for owning the restaurant, being a top-rated chef. But to see him on Iron Chef was was a real treat for me, being such a fan of the show. So that was pretty awesome. I got my one famous, and I don't even know if I've told you this, Gord, mm. but uh, I was actually really good friends with Adam Beach before he was anybody. Really? Yeah. Oh. I, we worked together at a restaurant in Calgary. Oh, no way. And then he went off to, to he literally did that thing where he's like, I'm going to go to Hollywood and get famous. And we're all like, yeah, all right, see you in six weeks, loser. <laughs> and little and you know. <laughs> uh shortly after that wind talkers came out that's funny and oh, wait, he I, thought he, I thought he was in some again. stuff earlier than that oh he was he was in, i'm 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 skipping quite a i'm a massive leap there but um he never spoke to us again he never like came back to see how the boys were doing or anything <laughs> uh but i i guess he goes to winnipeg quite a bit and visits them so screw that guy <laughs> that's funny see the only other person i ever knew that was any bit famous was uh when i was in high school there was this girl um who was the stunt double for um uh for the for the little girl in uh, adventures in babysitting oh cool that was that, the closest some... yeah that was that was something because i mean the funny thing is is she was like like at the time, she was like I think eight years older than the little girl, but she's such a tiny little thing. She looks like she could pass for like a you know ten year old. <laughs> and that's that's a big tie in for us because one of our biggest fans is uh, the dude from that movie. Like uh, what a prick I am! I don't remember his name. No, you talk about him all the time. Come on, I'm gonna make you fucking. I'm drawing a blank because I'm so tired. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. Now he's not a fan anymore. <laughs> that's um, it. <laughs> am i supposed to know this person offhand uh the the red-headed dude from adventures of babysitting and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead and was it okay. is it keith or anthony oh keith coogan keith coogan thank you coogan. my god he was the <laughs> first he was the first celebrity fan of uh eric and gord what if we're right yeah is that the dishes uh, are right that's him yeah the dishes are done man <laughs> i don't he's uh i i get like weirdly unfamous people who who like me uh ashley simpson very famously was a fan of this show briefly briefly yeah uh, we get the we get the all the whole b team listening to us i love it <laughs> so i'm gonna get a big boost is what you're saying you're Absolutely. gonna get a huge boost um we have a very small, very loyal audience, and we appreciate them. Um, it fluctuates here and there. It's, it's going to get bigger. We've got a movie coming out this summer. Not quite on your level, but um, I, I've... It's, it's, it's more it's, like South Park before South Park was known level. <laughs> I, I, so I'd like to like say it's primitive spirit of Christmas stuff. <laughs> it's uh it's more of a, a kind of a robot chicken type deal it's a little animated thing i'm doing about me and gordon the future we're robots we're we're in a horrible car accident and we're we're made into robots and uh nobody likes us <laughs> basically this is enticing um, it is well i i could give you the full rundown but i might have to cut it out of the show what it is is in the future amazon uh, there, there's no more soldiers in war. There's no humans involved in war. Uh, it's all drones. 
And Amazon makes a deal to hire the drones when they come back from war. Amazon promises to give them all jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, so they all, they're all these delivery drones for Amazon and people just start getting pegged off. Humans are just dying left and right. They can't figure it out. Turns out all the AI drones have uh, PTSD that they didn't know was happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, to cover up their mistake, they, they frame Gord, uh, for blowing up the world. <laughs> How long is it? Five minutes? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pushing for 45. Okay. And where are you going to put it out? YouTube? Vimeo? Vimeo. We, we already uh, talked about it. I, I think Vimeo might be the place to do it. Um, there's a bunch of little one minute movies I've been making there. They're horrible, like bad little cartoon things. I've been making them for years, uh, just based on me and Gord. And <laughs> nobody watches them. I do. Uh, me and Gordon, I think three 12-year-old year, girls, they're really not funny, but I find them dreadfully hilarious. I, I don't even know where you can find them. I think they're on Facebook right now. I'm pretty sure they're still um, on YouTube, too, aren't they? They could be. <laughs> uh, I love the idea of making a film. I'm constantly writing them. I'm no good at it. I have no talent. I can't act to save my life, but I really like the thought of me doing it. Yeah, but it's not worth it. No, but I think my projects are like I'm. I'm currently working on a, a remake of Rocky Four with me in every role. Okay. Um, and that's just darn funny, <laughs> uh, especially because I can't act. I just that's. Are you going to play? Hold what, on. The most important role in that whole movie is the towel that he won't throw in. So you're going to play the towel. That's also? true. That is true. I could. I didn't think of that. I could play the towel. I, uh, and then, I just, and then the other most important person is the guy who cut all those montages together. Oh yeah, of course. I uh, did he not? No, it was uh, would have been. Um, he directed that one, but um, did he direct you know, that one? I wasn't sure if he yes, did or it's, not. It's been, it's been referred to on We Hate Movies, the We Hate Movies podcast, as feed up directing. Um, oh, absolutely. Which it absolutely is. You know, half the movie is made up of montages or footage from the previous movie, and it barely oh, runs five minutes. <laughs> that's a great way to do it and then i mean it's 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 a it's a full moon pictures way of making a movie except on a big budget full moon made all the puppet master movies and wow. uh and a lot a lot of things like that and what you know you know a lot of the puppet master sequels will have huge chunks of footage from previous puppet master movies and just to fill out the time like of they'll course. be It'll be like maybe 45 minutes to 55 minutes of sort of footage and then 20 to 25 of padding. And then they get to their 80 minutes and they're like, we have a feature. What's weird about Rocky four is that it's that same mindset, except it's a big budget thing. Yeah, it was. Well, it was, I think it was a big vanity piece for him. It had well, everything, everything's a big vanity piece for him. He just, he just wants to get that's crucified true. and be Jesus. I mean, that's the, the plot of every one of those things. <laughs> The yeah, Rambo and one. it works. I love Rocky. I didn't realize there's a new Rambo. There's, a, or I don't know how new it is. Um, last year, uh, Last Blood, Rambo, yeah. Last Blood. Yep. Yeah, I, I didn't just see it. discovered this, and neither did I. But I just got a free month of Amazon Prime, and it's on there, so I'll check it out. I'm actually going to be watching that tonight. Just you know, throwing that out there. I understand. Oh, good for you. It's a, it's a good movie if you don't like Mexicans. Oh. <laughs> oh well who does <laughs> that's great that should be the title 
That, or that should be the tagline. I love it. Rambo hates Mexicans. <laughs> Just, it's a great movie if you don't like Mexicans. That should He's be the tagline a, for every movie. He's not wearing a red hat, but he might as well be. <laughs> oh, I see. Next thing you know, That's Trump will be promoting be. the crap out of this movie. <laughs> it's already tanked. It's over. It's fine. <laughs> hey, pretty That's soon, uh, I, I think Mexicans are going to take over your country pretty soon. How so? If they're not going to let they're not going to let them in, he's already shut down the border. I've got a funny feeling he's not going to have much of a choice in the in the future. I I see a, the American Empire falling, and it's it's falling suit in in much the same way as every empire does. And uh, he just seems to be failing a lot. And I, <laughs> I mean, think he's gonna. I think he's gonna let me, take the. Let me just say, as someone who grew up around his kids and. Um, uh, knew them oh, and, yeah, uh, and um, uh, lived in New York m- most of my uh, early life is uh, failing is what he does. Um, that's all that's he's true. ever done. It's true. Um, uh, uh, not paying people, being racist. Uh, that's what he was known for. Uh, cheating on his wife. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we knew. Uh, he was just a tabloid fixture. He was always a liar. Uh, none of this is a surprise to anyone who lived in New York. Zero. <laughs> they uh, all know him. <laughs> we all we were all aware of it. Uh, it is not a coincidence that he got like six percent of the vote in New York in, in New York City, and all of it was in Staten Island. Um, Fair enough. Exactly. I'm one hundred percent predictable. There is not there is not a thing that he does that's like oh that's new. It's kind of like okay, well variations on the theme, um, because you know bankrupt, you know mobster shit. Grifting. I mean, that's it. That's what we know. <laughs> that's what. But low level, you know, grifting. The, I mean, look. You want a perfect encapsulation. I, mean, I know you don't want to get political, but this is perfect because. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't. I hate getting political. Okay, but so you know that story about you know you know how his his um his charity was shut down, right? Yes. Because they they yes. were right. So, and the only time they'd ever give money to what were, were to his own projects, um, including they gave uh, eight dollars to the Boy Scouts uh, <laughs> right around the same time that his son became a Boy Scout um, because that's the registration fee. <laughs> so, eight dollars. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> a supposed that's billionaire did eight dollars. Um, and I mean, there's 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 the there's the famous articles in Spy magazine where they used to do this thing where they would send checks to people like celebrities to see who would cash yes. it. And he was right. the only um, one besides, besides uh, who's it, Butchers Butchers Golly, to, to cash the check. It was like twelve cents. Uh, Michael <laughs> Moore did that, didn't he? Michael Moore did that too. Was that I think was that for, one uh, of his uh, early articles? Was he writing for Spy? Yeah, no. I think. I'm not sure if he was, but I know for his first book, uh, he had sent out a series of checks to see who would cash them from this like random organizations like pedophiles for for gore and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, so Spy magazine used to do that all the time just to figure out who was the cheapest celebrity. And so we none of the, again, this this whole thing is like, yeah, I mean, you you voted for this. I don't know what you were expecting. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's all going to collapse anytime any anything anything bad happens. He's not going to take responsibility. He's going to run away. He's going to blame everybody else. That's what he's always done. Uh, yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you we, guys, we have the same thing going on up here. Uh, you guys, we, we, do you know the helicopter story? 
I which no. Okay, so in the in the late eighties, you can look this you know look up the the news item, but in the late eighties he was uh, in the midst of bankrupting three casinos, um, which is as you know is really hard to do. But he was he was trying to open he'd open two casinos and he wanted to open a third casino in Atlantic City, and um, uh, and his people were saying, hey, that's a really dumb idea because you're just going to be competing against yourself. And he ignored that because that's exactly what happened. So um, uh, he had Trump branded helicopters everywhere. And um, the money was he was hemorrhaging money. Um, (laughs) And uh, his advisors who ran the various casinos were telling him, you can't stop taking money out of the businesses to pay off your bills. You can't do that. You can't do all this. (laughs) And so um, the uh, uh, the guys who were running two of the casinos uh, and like some of the other there was three people on this helicopter that he had rented that was not a Trump brand casino it was a new new helicopter and that helicopter crashed and they all died um, and uh, it was rumored I'm not going to state that it's true um, it was rumored that this was mob related because uh, he owed a lot oh, of money wow. oh um, what he did was. First, he claimed that he was supposed to be on the helicopter. He was not. Um, there was no <laughs> Then he blamed the guy who, who was forced to replace, replace him for the failure of his casinos, which was not true. And then he blamed uh, the guys who died for the failure of his casinos, which is, of course, ludicrous because um, he was pulling money out of businesses. Um, and then he sued the helicopter company <laughs> for causing the bankruptcy of his businesses. Wow, that is brilliant. And last third, we lost that suit because he loses most lawsuits. Um, oh yeah, uh, he, he spent the last thirty years claiming he was about to die in that helicopter crash, and like he was a genius because he didn't end up on it or something. Um, but you can find the news articles about the helicopter crash, and then if you keep following along with the various news stories, you get anyone who's interviewed about it, and it's like, yeah, that's exactly who this guy was. I mean. I was talking to someone yeah. who heard the story and he was like, oh yeah, we thought he had them killed. And I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, love sorry. how nonchalant people are about it. I think really people have just, <laughs> in both of our countries, people have given up on politicians. That's how you end up with Trump and Trudeau. People just go, nah, fuck it, vote for Trump. Yeah. Well, but uh, Trudeau, legacy thing, Trump is just like, here is a guy who has been screaming from the rooftops since the early 70s that he was a, that he was a grifter. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Roy Cohn was his lawyer. You don't do that if if you're on the on the level. Yeah. He was a mob lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an accident that I based Roy Cohn. Like I wrote the movie before Trump was like a political thing, but you know, I, he was my the one of the villains was always based on Roy Cohn because I find Roy Cohn utterly fascinating. Just one of the worst people who ever lived. I don't know if you know who that is, but oh yeah, uh, of course. Um, uh, at least there, now there's two documentaries out about him now. Um, but he was he was uh, Trump's lawyer in the uh, racial discrimination case in the 70s when when Trump and his father wouldn't rent to black people. So so it was, it was so openly racist that the Nixon administration sued them. Now. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, no. It's a good one. So whenever you hear, oh, he's not racist, you're just saying that because you're a Democrat. No, 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 no. This has been going on for a long time. There's there's incident after incident that are that are very similar to this. Um, I I think it's very fair to call out the Democrats on their their propagating racism. But um, 
I'll give you 50 I, examples of him doing it before anybody knew who it was. It's not hard. Oh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough, yeah. Um, and I, I don't doubt it. I, I've known the guy was, I thought the guy was a jackass since about the time he released his board game. Um, oh, would that have been and, late 80s, early 90s, something like yeah, that? Yeah, late 80s, yeah. And I just, I, I was baffled that he, I, well, first of all, I was baffled he stuck out the race for the whole thing. I, but I can't believe he got elected. That was just like a, it was kind of like that Eddie Murphy bit from Delirious where he's like, I, I fucking, holy shit, he won. You know, like yeah. they're voting for the because they never think he'd win. <laughs> Go get yeah, drunk. <laughs> think he'd win either. The whole, po- the whole point was that he wanted uh, more money in The Apprentice. He wasn't really trying to win. Um, Fair he, enough. He, it was contract negotiation. I mean, it was, you know, sort of subtle news, but that was the whole point was he wasn't getting paid enough and he wanted, he thought this would be a, a boost. And, um, he learned from Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich ran for president in 2012 uh, because oh, it was basically cheap. It was basically cheaper than paying for a book tour. So he used the r- running for presidency to raise money to pay for his book tour. That's a great idea, actually. Um, so what happens? Does he? Does if he loses, does he leave quietly in November? I don't think he. Le- I think what he does is he complains and says it's rigged, which he's already done. He did the last time anyway. Complains is rigged, and then. Uh, as soon as the military gets close enough to removing him, he pretends to take the high road and leaves and then gets us, you know, a weekly spot on Fox News where he complains about Joe Biden or whatever, wh- whatever situation it is and complains. It, and, you know, what he does, which is project all of his own failures on everybody else. Yeah, I don't think it's Biden. I think they're pulling a rope dope. I think the Democrats have a have a last minute rope dope up their sleeve and they're going to pull Biden and and put in a contender. Why? I really I would, do. Why, why bother? I mean, look, if, if this is going to continue and, you know, uh, Biden's up 20 points in October, why would you do anything? Because Fair. they're not smart people. <laughs> I don't see I don't see Biden being up by 20 points in October. If he's up, what, 12 now and this isn't going to get better. They, you know, they just announced yesterday and, and today that they've got 55,000 new infections like, you know, yesterday. Is that is, is that what what ruins his candidacy or is pres- is uh... because because the, the economies can't uh, reopen because anytime you know the, Texas had to close all their bars again. That's true. Um, and Florida is going to have to reclose, and those there's you know, and then all the old people are going to who would vote for them is, are going to be dead. Is Florida Florida just? I love the way they've handled this. I the whole time. Uh, Gordon and I are big fans of both Texas and Florida. They're uh, yeah, my, they <laughs> I've never been to Florida. I spent some time in Texas. I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm just learning about Florida and how fantastic they are and their response split to COVID. They're split up very strangely. It's like, it's I, like uh, 30, 35, 45% complete redneck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, and maybe like 15% old Jew, 10% old Cuban and then there are upscale parts of it that are nice and then and then and and then there are parts that are just basically like you're living with Jimmy Buffett yeah and we had to do an episode about the amount of fecal matter leaking into the water there and I was like when you you hear the numbers you're like no wonder they don't care about COVID it just they're eating <laughs> shit literally all day. <laughs> it's, gotta, it yeah, is, it's just a terrible place you, to live. You, I mean, 
are you being i'm assuming you're being a little sarcastic about how they're handling it they're not handling it well at all but you know no yeah no, i just yeah, i yeah. think it, <laughs> i Total think we should have <laughs> we all we all did it wrong uh to be honest i think we should have went at it like chicken pox and we'd all have had it and be done with it by now oh but it would have been much worse because we because we they have have they been able to prove that you can't get reinfected no uh, well they no. keep changing their mind on that right until but you, they have been able to prove yeah. there's an 89% recovery rate again uh, a really bad number <laughs> it's 98% you always see 89 it's 98% recovery rate no it's 89 the last yeah. I, the last i heard it was 89% which so, means 11% of the people actually die that's that's very bad that's, it's really not when you think about things that you know in in canada traffic accidents kill way more people than COVID has every single year for some reason those are acceptable deaths we don't traffic accidents in the u.s are are at thirty-five thousand. gun deaths exceeded them a couple years ago Um, right so uh we're way past traffic accidents i guess like you are you've you've got it you've got it pretty bad but but then again you guys kill uh i think the last counts i heard was 1800 uh americans are killed by americans every day is it or year i forget what that number was it was 1800 40,000 gun deaths uh in 2017 i don't remember what the 2018 numbers but it exceeded since the first time um 1800 deaths murders a day is that what you're Somewhere in there, I forget the number we would we were just talking about it. It's uh, I'm pretty sure it was 1,800 murders a day. Okay, if you say so. I, I don't. I, don't know. I, I could look be up. wrong. I'd have to look it up again. But that like, sounds, that sounds like a lot, though. Why is COVID scary uh, when everybody's shooting each other anyway? I, I don't see the. I'll, I'll I'll explain why. Um, uh, the media and uh the rest of the country only cares when rich old white people are affected. So when when grandpa with money is has no control over he can't can't be shielded, you know, by money because of an unknown disease that he doesn't understand, then everyone gets scared. Then something happens. Um, I was talking with a with a a friend who worked on on my film and he he saw the Black Panther showing up with guns and he said that that makes me nervous. I don't really like that. And I said, but you got to understand the NRA only cared about gun control when black people had guns. So. The only way that anything changes is when rich white people get scared. So you want things to change. You have you have to scare all the rich white people. Why do you think the economy only shut down? Because, oh, absolutely. Because uh, of that. if this had only affected the poor, which is part of the point of my film, they never would have done anything. Oh, d- absolutely. But I think it's really we've made like we're quarantining healthy people. That's yeah. never happened before. That makes no sense. And I think a lot of this, I, I call it the scamdemic because I genuinely believe it was nothing more than all of our governments uh, getting us back under their control because well, we were laughing at them. And the whole dialogue for the entire, since December, the dialogue has been, if you don't do exactly as we tell you, you and your family will die. And it was a brilliant campaign for them. I think the point but, was was basically you got to keep everyone quarantined because otherwise the uh you'll run out of icu beds and then lots of other people will die for other reasons so if you just let it if you just let it run wild you're going to have the problem where your hospitals will be overrun not just with coronavirus deaths but all sorts of other people dying of other things 
and there's nowhere to put them. And then you're just literally carting bodies out on the street. So right. it might have been I understand coming from being in New yeah. York, it's probably a little scarier because I understand it's been quite uh, concentrated there and, and frightening yeah. for you guys. Well, I, I mean, don't I'm think in the rest of the world. I was in New York yesterday, and 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 it is uh, everything seems very locked down, and everyone is terrified, and nobody knows exactly because everything's packed there. Nobody knows right. exactly what to do. Um, it is it it is much scarier there. I I agree. Yeah. I am in yeah. the, I, I live in the suburbs. It's not as bad, although we've got you know required masks. When I go to work, I've got to wear a mask when I get near anybody. But luckily, right. I'm not more than a couple of people, so it's not a big and, deal. Uh, that's another one that just blows my mind, but I uh, just, um, so I, I guess, um, what was I saying now? I've kind of lost my point because of it. Um, we were on Trump. I apologize. <clears throat> <laughs> so we, we think Biden's going to win and, uh, I don't, I don't think, I think Trump's got another four years. I don't think he wants it. I mean, the only reason he, well, no, he does want it because the charges would be forthcoming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you uh, heard he about needs, the charges against Trump in Iran, right? He, need, he needs the statutes of limitations to run out. Uh, no, it, it's the Southern District of New York. That's why he, that's why he had that lawyer fired. Right. Recently. Oh, um, right. Yeah. I mean, look, the best way to understand Trump is, it was an article written by David Roth. Uh, in um, two art Caesars articles, one was for Deadspin, the other was for uh, I think Mother Jones. But the point he made is whatever you you know, political commentators and pundits and all that stuff, they make money trying to mystify the presidency and pretend it's so complicated and then there's 4D chess and all this other stuff. Whatever you think about Trump, whatever the simplest explanation it is, whatever the crassest explanation for why he's behaving, that's always correct. Whatever the that's fair answer is, whatever looks like it would benefit him in the dumbest possible way that's the answer there's no reason to look for anything else because it's not correct it never i find is. that that's uh that's the way with most politicians and people tend to overcomplicate it. things we've never seen we've never seen it so transparently with an eight dollar grifter no um, yeah that's that's the part that blows me away because i think of americans as inherently intelligent people yeah, right. um and uh, I, I guess I am very wrong because I just can't see why you, everyone went along with it. Uh, they hated Hillary Clinton that much. You're like, oh, she's a socialist. No, she's a, you know, middling right wing Democrat. Basically, we we've yeah. been having center right Democrats for the last thirty five years. Yeah, uh, true. You know, nobody nobody like Bernie Sanders is going to get voted in because they're just going to go socialist. They're going to go whatever. Now, what I was nervous about. Um, because I'm Jewish, I was very nervous that if Sanders beat Clinton and then had to, they had to, it, he he had to go against Trump. I was very worried about how the anti-Semitism was going to be pumped up in the South, yeah. especially. And sure. if, if there was one saving grace is that that didn't happen. Um, I don't know if there's a saving grace that they just went full on misogynist, but whatever. I mean, you can't you can't control you know when you're when you're going to just create things out of nothing. Because um, obviously all of the concerns that they had about her were projection. They didn't care about emails. They didn't care about Benghazi. They didn't care about any of that stuff. She just would have been run of the mill. That would have been it. Yeah. Um, um, is is there a chance for either her or Obama to make an appearance in the no. next four years in some capacity? So I was listening to a podcast um, called Chapo Trap House, and they made a hell of a suggestion. 
Um, it's a it's a socialist Democrat podcast, very popular. And they I've said, heard of it actually. They said um, one of the hosts said uh, when Biden picks his uh, vice president, he said if if he picks Michelle Obama, the race is over. Oh, and I heard, brilliant! <laughs> because there's no more there was no person more popular than her. Yeah, and if he does, it would be over. What 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 is the point? You you have yeah. cl- checked all the boxes. You have black woman who was popular. You you were you were going to get ninety nine percent of the black vote, and uh, white women are are not going to go to Trump nearly at, at that rate. And you're just going to get you know the angry. What are they calling them now? Karens. 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 Yeah. Karens. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that term. I love. I don't know why it, it, it just bugs me. <laughs> it, it, at least it's all encompassing. I don't know what the other option is. Yeah. I mean, what, what, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you sum up the nosy white woman who, who, um, real, you know, wants to feel aggrieved and wants it, it to means life. It means nothing to you, but up here, I call them whole foods shoppers. Um, <laughs> whole foods, got a very, whole, Fo- whole foods is, is like the, uh, Starbucks of grocery shopping. It really is. It's a very elitist grocery store. Um, the first one they've got electric car uh uh what are they the, the charging plugs stations. and all the yeah. on, the charging station well, they, they, i mean they've got char- they got chargers in manhattan like everywhere you go now so even for just that's bikes that's brilliant no, yeah. not here in canada um, they're hard to come by <laughs> they, well so are roads yeah well, good ones anyway <laughs> yeah um, got, in new york city i noticed that yesterday it was like bike racks that you could just that are just in front of buildings that you just can get and rent um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seems like they are all over Vancouver, where I live. You can see them in Toronto. Uh, do they have them in Toronto? Yeah, they got them in Toronto. Yeah. I would have expected them all just to disappear. No. Toronto. I with bet a... they don't have them in Oakville. No, no, not no. Fuck Oakville. <laughs> no. Oakville. I mean, um, <laughs> if I'm going to make a point about the, the you, you had your Whole Food shoppers, it, a lot of it stems from, um. The, the thing that white uh, white people have not ever been okay with and, you know, whatever event, whatever, whatever thing. And, you know, it, it's a lot of white male grievance stuff where they're like, you know, how come this advertisement isn't aimed at me? How come there are black people in the commercial? How come, you know, how come you're pandering? How come you're doing that? <coughs> and the thought is always the same to me is, hey, it's not about you. It's ne- it's it shouldn't be about you. Why do you think everything has to be about you? Because it always happens. Well, I th- it it just has to be. Um, no, it doesn't. What, why why do you that need was, that? Why why is it threatening to you that something's not about you? I think it's just threatening that. Uh, I think people don't want to admit their own, um, not obsolescence, but obsolescence uh, uh, is fair. Um, and people especially don't for want, people, don't want to admit that they're not important, and and you know individually people are not important. And they don't yeah, like exactly. Reminded of so that. they latch on to things like uh, the the vaping thing. Uh, s- smoking was bad, and they had told us we have to quit smoking. We have to quit smoking. And then all of a sudden, we we did. We started quitting smoking in droves. And we all started vaping. And then all of a sudden, vaping was bad, and you got to quit vaping. Can't vape in public. I realized at that point, it's not about our health. It's not about caring. It's about telling us what to do and what not to do. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um. I mean, there is a certain I, I, of of, of uh, smoking doesn't improve your health or anybody else's. No, wow. absolutely, it doesn't. But they don't care. 
the Karens, well, even the, call them, they don't that could be argued, though. I mean, I know I've fucking calmed down from, you know, killing somebody strictly because I had a pack of cigarettes on me. Sure, well, no, I just mean I lived with someone for many years who had asthma, so we couldn't be around anyone with cigarettes. So fair enough. And plus, I, it's just, I think everybody. The more I study people, and the more I realize everyone is just the uh, the couple from Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, but and it's th- that movie is and that play is basically a, a, a parody of a white savior narrative. It's yeah. the sharpest white savior narrative satire I think I've ever seen. Oh, it's amazing. Um, um, I've never seen the play. I, I, I've only actually seen the film. I've read it, obviously, but uh, I've never seen it um, done by anyone else. But uh, Stockard Channing is, is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. She's amazing in everything she's ever done. But. Yeah. If you ever watch that, that um, audition she does for uh, Lois Lane, she absolutely blows Christopher Reeve off the screen. And you're like, you know, one of the didn't cast her would be a totally yeah. different. Um, I think those rehearsal tapes are, must be on YouTube or maybe they're on a DVD, but I watched them like, oh my God, is she good? And yeah, not, you know, what would it would have left him in the dust? He was not, a, he was not a particularly strong actor. So, um, he was more, I just, people, yeah, people just genuinely disappoint me in that way. Um, just a little off topic on that, but the only play I've seen done where it almost held up to the film was Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I saw a few years ago with, um, well, the uh, new, what's his name? Bert? The newer version, because in the in the original play, is that in college I wrote um, a here. You can see it. See, there's that copy, Glenn Gary Van Ross. Can you see it? Oh yeah, I can see. Um, this um, was I just I saw it in 2012 with Eric McCormack. Okay, I I, I haven't seen that one, but um, the the original version of the play, the Alec Baldwin scene from the movie's not in there, and it's just. Um, the information is doled out, but there isn't a, a, a significant scene where someone comes in and explains the plot because what is Alec Baldwin but exposition? Yeah. He's just giving you the backstory. So in the play, all that information comes out through the dialogue and Mammon invented that scene for the movie. But I understand that later on in later versions of the play, after the movie had come out and that scene was so famous, they then added that to the play. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the one I saw it was just it was I, it was the first time I had seen a play after a movie uh, mm-hmm. like and uh, was actually quite impressed with it I was really impressed with Eric McCormick because mm-hmm. I'd never seen him do anything um, other than that sitcom right uh, so it, it and, was really, and, very very and, cool. and the movie he did about Laserdiscs called Free <laughs> Enterprise really <laughs> I, I had no idea I didn't know that yeah. Uh, it's not. It's, they, they, there's a lot of scenes that take place at a laserdisc store, so I I would call that a movie about laserdisc. But yeah, no, it's, it's really oh, about Trekkies. Fair. <laughs> um, Shatner Shatner's in the movie playing himself, a version of himself. It's not very good. Um, <laughs> well, um, it's got Shatner. But, but it's, your your point about six degree separation is interesting because I've always thought of that as like a very strong satire of white guilt and about. Um, the need for white people to feel involved in black lives in the most condescending way possible. Um, and it, it's, um, so sharp. I was surprised. I watched it again, maybe a year ago and I was so surprised how well it held up. Um, yeah, it really does. And again, that's just a tribute to, to, uh, two phenomenal actors and you know, credit where credit is due. Will Smith is fantastic in it. Uh, Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's less so I, 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 I don't, he, you know, it's, he famously wouldn't commit to the role that well because he wouldn't do the, the kiss 
And so it's a very awkward cut. Ah. Um, because, because Denzel Washington told them not to do a gay kiss. Um, and fair uh, enough from, from the guy who went on to star in Philadelphia. Same, <laughs> yeah. But he, you know, he's not playing a gay, he's playing a homophobic character in that movie though. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but six degree separation seems to understand that so that, that, that need that, that combination of uh, limousine liberal stuff and white guilt, uh, better than anything I can, I can think of. Um, just uh, insight. I mean, it's it's in the play. It's in the. Uh, I think John Guar wrote that. Um, yeah. It's yeah. As as sharp as I might have that play here too. And I've got Rashomon. Wow. <laughs> it's unfortunate though that uh, I think a lot of people in both of our countries are that couple and don't realize it. And I I'm not very optimistic uh, for the next. Maybe 20 years, 30 years, unless there's some real change. I mean, in what sense? What kind of change? I Total think, change in government. Yeah. Uh, now, when I speak change, I see, I'm very radical in what I would like to see happen. Um, I think both our political systems need to be scrapped. They're, well, you can, they're you failures. Can go, you can go modified uh, socialists. And to go that way, I mean, that's kind of what we're doing right now by by not just bailing out corporations, but we're bailing out the unemployed right now, which um, is ridiculous. I don't believe in bailouts. I think 2008 was a huge miss. We had a great opportunity. Um, I think too big to fail is that's a ridiculous concept. Of course, it's not true. Nothing yes. should be too. It's it was a, we missed an opportunity to change the whole economic um, landscape forever. And we can't go back on it. There's no, we'll never get that opportunity again. Uh, but I, th I would like to think that we could. I would like to see more uh, regular citizens uh, getting involved, uh, more people voting for ordinary guys. Um, I know it sounds way radical and idealistic, but it could work and it could actually change things. I guess it depends on where you want to, because every time there is a theoretical radical, there's a, there's huge pushback, because the idea behind Trump was that oh he's this radical he's going to do wild things and it just turned out to be, you know, uh, exactly a kleptomaniac, a kleptomaniac who <laughs> yeah. just follows around whatever Republican policy is put in front of his face because he's not curious about reading anything. Yeah, so, no, I think the the party system has to be scrapped. I think the whole the whole idea of like super PACs and bullshit lobbyists it's got to go, and well, we I mean, need that's why I actually number one. I have a scene in my film that is basically addressing that. Um, you make where they, you make it a minimum wage job first of all. You make government the lowest paid civil servants possible. You outlaw um, lobbying. Outlaw yeah, lobbying. Outlaw lobbying completely. Yep. Um, there's, which no for, there's no need for donations when it comes to running for the position because you've got the internet now. There's no yeah. need for you to fly in a fucking jet to go. You don't need that now. It's exactly. all you can do anything you want to do right here live in any situation for whatever for free. Right. So um, if you yeah. if you do a little research on the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, I ran for mayor in 2018 mm -hmm. on this very idea. I wanted to prove to people that anybody can do it and uh, you can do it with no budget and you can be moderately successful. I, I was fifth out of 17 mm -hmm. candidates, which for a nobody you beat Gary Coleman, right? I, I beat Gary Coleman. 
<laughs> I I wouldn't have had he run, but you beat um, Angel. <laughs> um, just the fact of the matter is, if we all did it, like I I would like to see two thousand people in the next election, just two thousand names on the ballot. Get these. Well, but you have the same problem because then it's just name recognition. Well, yeah, you're probably right. But I think just uh, the idea of, oh, one vote doesn't matter drives me absolutely insane. Um, of course it does. Because um, there's 100,000 people of you. 100,000 people say that every election. Oh, my one vote doesn't matter. Yeah, but if you all just sat the other way, it would. If they all voted for the same person. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, that person's been <laughs> convincing or sell them their own version of a lie, right? Exactly. So... I see. This is the one thing that Eric and I have argued about for a long time. I don't think a one when it comes to voting, especially for a nation voting, one vote does not make a difference. Well, in Canada, it doesn't because we've got a ridiculous system. Well, that's a truth. Where <laughs> where actually one vote doesn't matter. How many um, parties? We we have technically unlimited, but there's three that uh, hey, genuinely. Yeah. yeah, there's three viable ones, uh, and they just bounce back and forth. But our writing system is absurd um, because we don't vote for our prime minister. We vote for our MP in our riding, mm-hmm. um, who would be similar to your, uh, like, uh, it's kind of almost like the ward system, but on a national level, we, we vote for our MPs and the guy, the guy whose party got the most MPs, he gets, they then vote for who's going to be prime minister. Okay. Um, we vote for the party and then the party picks the prime minister. Now they generally have a leader for the campaign, but he doesn't necessarily have to be the prime minister. They, they vote on that after their party wins, but it's, it's based on this writing system. That's absurd. Um, and it's it's basically based on population. So you Toronto, like uh, Toronto is always going to win. Um, anyone in that area who's got you, you you win Ontario, you're going to win just because they've got the most population in the country. Yep. But if if two people in my riding vote for you, and one person in your riding votes for you, um. Or two people vote against you and one votes for you, you still win because you've got more people. It, it makes no sense. Um, and Trudeau promised he ran on a platform of changing it, and then, of course, it worked for him, so he didn't. Um, <laughs> Lying and that's the, shit. That's the problem. We've got our Trudeaus. <laughs> our Trudeaus are kind of a, a very weak version of a, the Canadian Kennedys. Um, he ran on a legacy that really isn't his. Um, and we do that. Like, we... It doesn't matter which party you're voting for. You're voting for about the same dozen people. We have been for 30 years. Yeah. Um, there's the key players, and they they just bounce around from from government to government, doing the same fucking thing and ignoring us in the in the meantime. I, it, it's become lost on everyone the fact that they work for us and not the other way around. I just think so we should take it back. Some. I'm starting to get really worn down. I've been up since about five. I bet you guys are. Yeah, this is going on. I drove about five hours yesterday. Um, Fair enough. But, and we're going way into something that we don't have to. Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at you. Oh, nice. <laughs> the whole time you guys have awesome. talked about that, I've, I've actually never seen that movie. Oh, you'd love it. It's yeah. great. Oh, I, I don't know if you would, actually. And, and you know what it has... <laughs> 
extra it has an extra relevance now because of the casting of Ian McKellen. Yes, and I am a right. big fan of him. Do you know <laughs> do you do you know why? No. I, I don't know why. Okay, you remember in the movie or in the play, one of the premises is that uh, Will Smith's character um, says that he's the son of Sidney Poitier yes. and that they're going to make a movie of cats um, oh, and how this is the most ridiculous idea in the world, even though Sidney Poitier has committed to it, to make a movie of cats, which at the time was indeed ludicrous. Yes. Now, one of the people he's pitching this idea to is Ian McKellen, who's in Six right. Degrees Separation. Who's oh. also in Cats? <laughs> that is amazing. That's okay. That's phenomenal. <laughs> I never put that together. That is brilliant. That's and when so... I saw Cats, and I'm like, didn't you get that the movie you were in is kind of parroting how stupid an idea that is? He probably doesn't even remember. No, that was so long ago. <laughs> <clears throat> So uh, when I mean, can just, people see yeah, your just, movie? Just that. When can people come see? Uh, wait, wait. Uh, don't kill me. Uh, well, how about I message you when it is available? I mean, uh, fair uh, enough. I, I don't, you know, I, I can't give you a release date yet because I have not signed. No, the of course date. not. Yeah, because there's like there there's so many options in terms of if I go uh, self distribution and sign like seven or eight deals at once. I mean, how long is this podcast going to go? How long? Well, how long is the version you're going to run going to be? Probably to um, the end of time, knowing me and Eric. <laughs> We're pretty. <early. laughs> yeah, this, we wouldn't give this, this up one for nothing. <laughs> this episode, you mean? Yeah, I mean, we were talking for two hours, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I usually, I try not to trim them down too much. Well, it'll probably end up about an hour and a half. I like a ninety-minute mark. I don't know why. It just seems to be a good mark, in my opinion. It is. If you go too long, you know, I, I, I don't understand listening to four, Joe Rogan for four hours. But if that's what no, you know. yeah. No, but yeah, I, I find us. I got I another find us light years ahead week, of Joe Rogan. Guys, like it'll be, it'll be three hours, and I'm like, why? I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, Gordon and I tend to cover a lot of information in our three hours. They're, they're not all gold. I'll give you that. <laughs> but uh, sure. I, I like 90. I don't know why 90 is a good number in my head, but I enjoy that. I, I don't see three hours of Joe Rogan being entertaining either, but I find us far funnier than him. So, yeah. um, so when, when I know, can you, how long can you hold this for? I mean, I guess I don't know. I can hold this in. You can have total veto power, and I'll come out when you say it does. Okay, and then if I just, you know, if you want me to record it, it'll be available, and blah, 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 and you can awkwardly edit that in. Absolutely. That would be excellent. I'm, I love awkwardly editing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm horrible for actually getting around to it. And you'll, if you ever uh, get around to listening to the show, you'll hear about every I, I, 10 episodes. I, or so. I absolutely gave you about 45 minutes my time oh wow wow thank you very much um i'm not sure when but the sound quality might not have been spectacular um i was homeless for the first year and a half that we did this oh okay i i so i, I, uh, I be podcasting from the streets oh okay well, it was I, amazing sound quality was not the issue i think it was the content ah could be um there's definitely that. It was. It was. I, it was. Recent. It was. It was something. That's why I said that I got the idea that you guys may, might be considerably more right wing because I couldn't tell whether the titles of the episodes were like parodies, the way that old David Cross albums would have the titles of the tracks be ridiculous parodies of what comedians would call something. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they tend to be. 
Um, it started with attempting to with, trick somebody in some way, and I thought, okay, I mean, it's, it's something. <laughs> the, the, That's the probably one of the best reviews really... you've ever had. Yeah, I like that. Um, it's something. The, the, the titles are really just very self-indulgent. That's just me making myself laugh. Um, it's my I favorite part of the podcast. Just, just laughing at it, so you got that going for you. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, it usually comes off of just one comment throughout the year. Like, well, the two-hour show and right. one comment would be made, there's the title. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I, mean, I, I think that's. I think that, that, that edict from Bill Murray and Caddyshack is very helpful. That's why I say it all the time. <laughs> when, when he's, when he's interrogating the kid with, with talking about the Dalai Lama, when he's the caddying for the Dalai Lama, and he's like, yeah. what, what, about, what about a little, uh, little um, you know, cash for the effort? And he's like, I don't have a tip for you, but you, you know, um, when you die, you will achieve total consciousness. And Bill Murray looks at the kid and goes, "So I got that going for me." <laughs> so good, oh, genius. Well, I, Adam, thanks very much for being on with us. It's been uh, actually a really great conversation. I really enjoyed it, and very much looking forward to the film. Um, my sense of humor tends to be very different than. Like, what I enjoy watching is very different from what I speak about. We'll, we'll say that. Um, it was really great talking to you. I, I look very much forward to your film. Somewhere between, uh, the movie somewhere in quality between Clifford and Six Degrees Separation. That I can say. There you go. Well, I'll take that. There we go. <laughs> somewhere between Boxing Helena and, I don't know, House of Games. How about that for a minute? There you go. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, now I'm going to be doing that until it comes out. <laughs> it, it's somewhere between the world according to Garp and Cliffhanger. <laughs> I can't I have the money for Cliffhanger. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Cliffhanger is even very good at what it's trying to do, but, you know. Oh, it, no, it's, it's, oh, it's uh, terrible. <laughs> who, who the hell did Lyft Gal owe money to? My God. <laughs> well, I mean, you just yeah. chose two different Lyft Gal periods, basically. You know, World According <laughs> to Garp and, and, I and did. I did. See, I tried to sneak one past a, a guy who knows more than I do. <laughs> um, it, it was a great Lithgow role and a shit Lithgow role. That's it's sure. I mean, he's his, top, like he wasn't raising Kane or or um, he's a little over the top in Blowout, but it's an entertaining movie. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe the best movie ever made in Philadelphia. Blowout, if you know that one. <laughs> right. Yep. And is it true the Rocky statue came down? Oh, did they take that down? Not really paying. I I I don't have the affinity for the statue stuff. I, I've always been like. Look, if we, I know the statue was put up, you know, someone paid for it. Like the way that people get stars. Yeah, on of course. Yeah. It's just paid for. Same thing with the Rocky statue. Because the, the, the shame of it was always that like uh, the fake guy gets a statue, but Joe Frazier doesn't get a statue. Like right. someone, a real statue deserving of it. And you're like, okay, well, the subtext is there. I get it. But um, we could do a whole other episode on that. I would love to actually. Because um, like, look at Frank Dukes. <laughs> The real Frank Dukes got screwed. <laughs> um, Does Frank Dukes have a statue somewhere? No, no, he doesn't. He just no. has. Um, he, Van Frank, Damme playing Frank him. Frank Dukes has nothing, <laughs> and Van Damme got very famous off his story. Uh, well, <coughs> Frank Dukes is, is uh, um, for legal reasons, I won't use words here. Fair he, enough. 
He he's an honest fellow. We'll just say it's probably the opposite of what I just said. That's that's <laughs> true. That is very true. Hey, all um, the things- okay, guys. I know it's late, you guys. I don't want to keep you any more than I have to. This has been a lot of fun, Adam. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I hope you'll you'll consider coming back and uh, let us know how the film's doing when it's doing. Okay, I will do that. That would excellent. be awesome. Um. I will tack on some kind of an end to this chord. Do you want to do the, the usual? <laughs> we'll Hope everybody say, dies. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. we were going to go a different way tonight. No, uh, it's normal. <laughs> um, uh, until next time, everybody. Take care thanks. of each other. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate yeah. it. Here's your Rumble in the Bronx laser disc, just as a cameo. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice. Thank That's you. awesome. Um, <laughs> oh man, awesome. Uh, Gord, can I yeah. can I keep you for a minute? Yeah, you can. Hang it up, right? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, Adam, thank take you very care, much. Adam. Thanks very much, buddy. Sure. Great to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> this is Adam Lippy talking to you from the future. Here to let you know that you can find Wait Wait Don't Kill Me available now. Check waitwaitdon'tkillme.com for more details. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.